they know where we live and they're going to destroy us, that's the word they used. The RAC is calling on political parties of all hues to address what it calls the motorist's agenda. A survey from the motoring group has identified four main motoring concerns in the country. They're the cost of fuel, the state of the roads, illegality such as using mobile phones, tailgating or middle lane hogging and poor parking facilities. More US troops have been sent to Iraq to advise Iraqi forces dealing with an Islamist uprising. Britain is deploying Chinook helicopters to help deliver aid to thousands of refugees in Iraq. The prison's ombudsman says swifter action must be taken to help inmates at risk of self-harm. Nigel Newcomen says his comments are examining 80, uh, after, come after examining 80 suicides among young adult offenders. Firefighters were called to a house on fire in St Albans last night. A woman was led to safety and two men were treated for breathing in smoke in Park Street. The actress Lauren Bacall has died. She was 89 and is thought to have suffered a stroke. Our correspondent David Willis says Lauren Bacall had a fairy tale Hollywood story. She went into modelling, uh, caught the attention of Nancy Hawkes, who was the wife of uh, Howard Hawkes, the American director. He was the man who said that her voice is uh, uh, much too high, and he and his wife uh, worked on uh, then Betty Bacall. They got her to change her name, they got her to change her voice, and uh, you know she went on to blaze this trail. In last night's football, Watford are through to the second round of the Capital One Cup after beating Stevenage 1-0. Also through are the Milton Keynes Dons with a 3-1 victory over AFC Wimbledon. But both Luton Town and Wickham Wanderers are out, losing to Swindon and Millwall. The weather, a dry day with good sunny spells with just the odd shower. Temperatures up to 21 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. It's friendly, nice, quiet village. Great place to bring up your children. It's all about where you live. It's a pretty village with a lovely medieval church. All this week, we're featuring Flamstead and Markiate. Everyone knows each other. Everyone gets along. It's really friendly and it's really nice to live in. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! Ian Lee, BBC Three... Oh, I've got my shoes on. Can't do a show with my shoes on. That's better. Always got to... Yeah, take your shoes off, guys. Always do the show without my shoes on. Or with my shoes off. Probably a slightly better way of phrasing it. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including moaning motorists, manly maps, it looks like, uh, well... And a furious farmer. Man alive, who wouldn't want some of this nectar first thing in the morning? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Yeah, I don't uh, remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter, does it? Shut up, Beatles. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, cars, expensive fuel, nowhere to park, bumpy roads and dangerous drivers. The RAC is calling on politicians to address what it calls the motorists' agenda. Well, their technical director, David Bisley, joins me now. Good morning, David. Hello, good morning. Uh, What is the motorists' agenda? Well, each year, we've been doing it now for 26 years, um, we commission a survey of what's on motorists' minds. And there, there are really four issues that this year have come out right at the top of the agenda. Um, whilst fuel prices have been relatively stable for a period, um, it's still a problem for many people, particularly those living in rural areas. We've heard a lot about the state of the roads and the potholes, uh, and there are huge estimates of how much money is required to sort the problem out. Um, Increasingly, people are expressing concerns to us about uh, the illegal behaviour of the minority of drivers, particularly on things like using handheld phones while driving. And parking has been going up the agenda. Uh, Many local authorities are reducing the availability and putting up the price. Um, and motorists are getting fed up. So So, what would you like to see done, David? Well, in the first instance, many of these are not quick fixes. In other words, it's not something that the government can fix in a few months. So what we're doing is contacting each of the major political parties, all of those with representation in Westminster and Brussels, and asking them to explain to motorists, uh, who after all are two-thirds of the electorate, how they are going to address those issues in the next parliament. 
Um, clearly, um, the current government would say they have actions in plan in some of those areas already, um, but there's a sustained uh, set of actions required to address many of these well, things. We're supposed to be encouraged to drive less and less, discouraged from driving and use public transport and bicycles and things like that, uh, so that they're not going to make things necessarily cheaper for drivers, are they? No, and we're not really asking for that uh, across the board. And motorists, uh, the majority of them, also use public transport, they cycle, they walk. So this is not an attempt to divert investment from other forms of transport into motoring at the expense of, of public transport. Um, and we're realistic enough to realise that costs aren't going to come tumbling down. But something like fuel duty um, is, uh, does have a benefit. If you reduce fuel duty, it stimulates economic growth and the Treasury get virtually as much money back through different forms of taxation stimulated by the growth as they lose from... Um, from the fuel duty itself. Hey, David, one of the things that was brought in, I think, was it about last year, the middle lane hogging? Yes. Has that, has the, there was a fine brought in. If you hog the middle lane, you can get done. Has that had any effect at all? Because I still see idiots driving in the middle lane. Absolutely. Uh, undertaking uh, middle lane hogging, uh, those sorts of offences were made illegal. Interestingly, the survey suggests that... Uh, a significant proportion of motorists aren't even aware that those oh, bet, particular yeah. fines exist. Uh, and certainly, it's still a major cause of concern for uh, the majority of motorists. It's one of those areas of illegal behaviour that frustrates a huge number of people. David, final, going off on a slight tangent, there is a story in the paper today of a, a driver who's 100 years old. Now, as, as uh, someone who's got the motorist agenda, that's too old to be driving, isn't it? I, I wouldn't put age limits on it in hundred? Well, it depends whether that person uh, can safely drive. Um, many older drivers are very well aware of their limitations and they adapt their driving accordingly. So they only drive in areas where they're confident... Um, they don't drive at night. So uh, I don't know this particular situation, but okay. I think each case needs to be looked at uh, in its own right. David, I appreciate your time and your thoughts this morning. David Bisley from the RAC. 08459 555. The annoying things about other drivers. It is middle lane hogging for me. Uh, and a driver who's 100 years old... Now, guys, come on. Yes, we take care. Uh, what, was it, what does it say in the story, Kath? It says that he's... He says, I'm better at driving than I'm at walking. Oh, oh dear <laughs> me. Well, that, it, it, as you said upstairs, it's not an either-or situation. <laughs> no. You don't have to do one or two. You can do none. If you're not very good at either, then just sit at home and watch um, Tipping Point, which is actually, actually what I'd He's obviously got a busy life. Well, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I'll, OK, I'll say it. What's a 100-year-old man going to be doing? Where's he going to go? The doctors? <laughs> and little. I mean, that's it, isn't it? Really? If you're 100, call me now. 08459 We finish at 9 o'clock, though, so I'm hoping the phone's near you. I mean, really? Oh, dear. <laughs> We've had this conversation before about drivers that are too old, and I, I kind of think 72, we should maybe start... Well, no, 67, I don't know what ridiculous number I made up. But anyway, at some point, let's say 70 for today, uh, you should start having a, an annual driving test. But you should definitely be out of the game by 100. 
that should be... You're talking about driving, not lying. Well, I mean, I don't want to get all Soylent Green on your backside, but that's a different issue. Uh, but, you, yeah, 100, you should not be, you should not be driving. Just, just enjoy sitting at home, you know, cash in the attic. Jeremy Kyle is probably on ITV3 right now, you know. Yeah, he's just finished on the main one. Yeah, exactly. 08459 555. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting off on the M1 this morning, heading southbound, two lanes are closed at the moment between Junction 13 for Bedford and Junction 12 at Flittick. That's due to a broken down lorry there. Checking on the M25, so far this morning moving rather well. Do expect delays between Junction 25 for Enfield and Junction 27, the M11, as there are some major roadworks taking place there. Checking on the local live departure boards across the three counties and everything's running well on the trains, no problems or delays. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 6.15, it's, um... Is it Wednesday today, I think? The 15th, the 13th mm, of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Fly tipping in Hertfordshire is costing half a million pounds a year to clear up. The RAC is calling on the politicians to do something about issues like the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. And in football, in the Capital One Cup, there were victories for Watford and the MK Dons, but Stevenage, Luton and Wickham are out of the competition. BBC Three Counties Radio. World War One at home on the BBC. The trenches continue as far as the eye can see, which is quite astonishing. Last week, we revealed some amazing untold stories. He was a private, was in the firing line for two, about two months before returning on sick leave. And discovered surprising local memories. The history of Cardington goes back to the Short Brothers, who were asked by the government to build airships for the First World War. The Germans had already got a fleet of airships which were capable of coming to England and dropping bombs on it. If you miss them or want to hear them again, go to bbc.co.uk slash WW1. One of those very brave boys was Lieutenant William Leaf Robinson from the Royal Flying Corps. World War One at home on the BBC. I'm torn between two songs, torn between two lovers. Who sang that? Was it Crystal Gale? Possibly. I'm kind of on a bit of an 80s trip, having uh, watched uh, the excellent Weird Science last night. Thank you very much for that. That's, that was part of my birthday present from Catherine Boyle. Uh, the, uh, the wife and the kids are away. The wife. Uh, so I managed to crack that one open. Right. And watch Weird Science, and it's wonderful. So my Good. head is kind of in the, in the 1980s mm-hmm. at the moment. So I fancy a bit of Peter Cetera. Yes. Glory of love. Glory of love. Of course. But then I've noticed, and then then I've noticed Erasure. I used to quite like a bit of Erasure. We never, we haven't played Erasure since we played that version of the Christmas Carol that everyone hated and I loved. Should we have a little bit of Erasure? Yeah, go on. All right. Let's. I mean, um, yeah. Let's have a bit of this. This will do, won't it? Will it? Yeah, go on. All right.
morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455555. A 100... Year, we'll have a look at it properly in the paper review in a bit. But a 100-year-old man driving, a 100-year-old driver, that seems obviously ridiculous to me. How can a 100-year-old... Have you ever seen a 100-year-old man? They're like... They're like they're all shriv- a miracle, is what they are. They are, they are, they are God's miracle, just in the same way that babies are. Uh, but they are, they are kind of like they, they look like prunes, you know. Well, I don't know. There was a, there was there was one I once saw who um, one a man I once saw who was a hundred years old, and he had a twinkle in his eye, yeah. and you wouldn't believe he was a hundred. Yeah. You know, I guess no. it's horses for courses, or I don't let him on a horse. Drivers for <laughs> don't let him on a horse for goodness sakes. If he fell off, it'd be terrible. Just he'd turn into dust. He might be an excellent equestrian. Oh, for goodness sakes! Uh, now, uh, there's a new tourist map of Berkhamsted. We're going to put it on the Facebook page in a minute or two. Is it up there now? It's up there now. Go and have a look. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. It looks like, um... It looks like, um... It looks like a willy. It does! Go and... The map's been produced by the Canal and River Trust, whose marketing and fundraising director, Simon Salem, joins me now. Morning, Simon. Good morning. Your map looks like a willy. Uh, well, I think I have to agree with the guy on Facebook who said it looks like a really tee-hee. And it gave him a little snigger, I think. Yes. Uh, so, so when, who, who did, I, I'm looking at it now. It, it's got even uh, the... I've got to be so careful. Uh, at what point? At what point did you realise it was a little bit phallic? Uh, well, um, the local brewery uh, in Berkhamsted, Harrisfoot Brewery, put it on their Facebook page, and I think it's uh, it's certainly when we saw the comment from Paul Robinson. I have to say, uh, Ian, this is one of a set of a hundred maps, a hundred yeah. canal destinations we've been promoting for over a year, and uh, <clears throat> I don't know. There's all sorts of people out there in the public, all sorts of different ways of looking at things, and uh, wow. the first time someone's mentioned this one, but I have to agree with the guy. It does look a bit that. Way. It does look a lot that way. Hey, listen, but, and I, it, but I have to say, if it's uh, if, if at least it's going to get at least one more person down to the canal to have a oh, no, nice listen, good today, it's going to it's going to be, it's going to be good for you, it. Simon. It is to pronou- uh, promote the canals, which you know I'm a huge fan of of, of waterways. Uh, oh, good. And if no, I, I am. I can't think of anything finer than having a little stroll down the canal. I wouldn't go on a barge. That's that's going a little bit too far. Uh, and it, it is getting people talking about it. But did you not when when the map was presented to you by the a cartographer. Did you not go, hang on a second, have you done this deliberately? Oh, oh no, we haven't done this deliberately. I say, but you could accuse us maybe of being a bit naive. We've produced a set of 100 maps. If you think about it, and I must be careful how I say it, the canals are long, straight things, and uh, when you when you draw a map, it tends to be that sort of shape. Yes. But, uh, but you've uh, included um, what what my boys are learning to call the plums. Well, I'd say that the, we then show a bit of the land around around the canals where there's where there where there are you know sites to see and so on. But this one, I think, uh, I think we, we didn't see it. But we, we did you not? Done. Come on, you must have seen it. You must have seen it. Well, someone should have done. I agree. Why? But, uh, okay, listen. Tell us why this area in particular is uh, is is so good. Why we should all be rushing down there? Well, I think Berkshire said is uh, is fantastic. The canal makes the town, and uh, in particular, if you think about it. This uh, Harrisfoot Brewery, one of the local breweries, put this up on their Facebook page. That's where all this started. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they were delighted that it was promoting the three great waterside pubs in the town. I don't know how well you know it. Crystal Palace, the yeah. uh, Rising Sun and the Boat. All fantastic places to go and have a stroll as well and have that canal side experience. Could I just say, in that, you know, your poor listeners have had to listen to me discussing this subject this morning, but 
some recompense. If anybody wants a, a guide, a free guide to 100 waterway destinations, if they text the word 100 to 760, then uh, we'll send you a, a free sort of little mini guide and you can see 100 different places to go. I'm, I, I'm sure people will, will love that. I, I was thinking then you were going to offer to buy everyone a free pint. Oh, well, you know, if, if, you'd, like, if you'd like to buy me a pint, I'd be what? happy to join you. OK. <laughs> uh, the Canadian totem pole is on there as well. It is, yes. What, th- th- I'm assuming that's a totem pole from Canada. Uh, it, it is. It's a rather. It's a. It's a. It's a unique. Uh, it's a unique site in in Berkhamsted that uh, somebody's put up on uh, on private land by the canal. It was put up many years ago. I don't know who or why it was done, but it's very unusual. There's also the rising sun with Hemel Hempstead coming out of the end. Uh, the, sorry, there's a rising sun. Uh, yeah, there's a rising sun pub and the yep. boat and the Crystal Palace pub all there for you to visit. Okay, you've got Hemel Hempstead coming out of the end of uh, 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 of course. Uh, well, listen, uh, Simon, I wish you the very. Bo- Are you a boating man at all? Uh, I love going boating, yeah. I've been, bo- been boating recently, although it wasn't in Berkhamsted, it was in Droitwich yeah. with my family. It's a great experience, and uh, if you haven't tried it, maybe you should one I, day. I'm not, listen, I, I couldn't get a barge, but there is there is part of me that wants to, there's a boatyard near where I live, and they've got this mm-hmm. really beaten up old boat for about two grand, and there's part of me thinking, oh, that might be fun. That might be fun. I'm tempted. You'd be tempted to own one, yeah? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Simon, yes. Well, you should think about it. I might do. I can say. You Simon, really should. You're a good sport. Thank you very much for coming on. Simon Salem from the Canal and River Trust. Go and have a look. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Treading carefully today, but the uh, map looks like um, a gentleman's uh, doodah. Um, and, oh, look, I can even see plums. <laughs> It's incredible that no one noticed that. Come on. I mean, it's. There's so much more I could say. You'd think Uh, Map 101 would be make sure it just looks like a map. Even the end. I got, I can't it looks like someone. It, 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 looks, it, it looks like someone has done it on purpose. I am teaching my boys to call their, and I can say this is this is uh, the medical word, the testicles, mm. plums. Plums is a, is an okay word. I think that's kind of. They keep jumping on me. I keep going, mind me plums. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Do go and have a little look at the map. Uh, and fair play to Simon. It's got us talking about canals. How how often would you get a feature on BBC Local Radio about canals? Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, let me think. Mm. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting off on the M1 heading southbound. Two lanes are closed at the moment between Junction 13 for Bedford and Junction 12 at Flittick. There's a broken down lorry there, so do approach that with care. Take a look at the M40. Do expect delays between Junction 5, um, just at Junction 5 for Stoken Church. That's as one lane's closed at the moment for some bridge maintenance work that's taking place. Also in Beaconsfield, resurfacing work taking place on the A40 London Road between Park Lane and Aylesbury End, so do expect delays there as well. On the trains, everything's looking good across the three counties. No problems or delays. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30. I'm Jane Killick. The RAC is calling on political parties of all hues to address what it calls the motorist's agenda. Among the concerns are the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. Around half a million pounds was spent in Hertfordshire last year clearing up flighting. There were more than a 1,000 incidents dealt with in the decorum area alone. The actress Lauren Bacall has died at the age of 89. She was best known for her roles opposite Humphrey Bogart, who went on to marry her. The weather, bright or sunny spells and the odd shower. 
On to sport and Watford are through to the second round of the Capital One Cup after beating Stevenage 1-0 last night. Lloyd Dyer scored the goal. Goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain was pleased with his side's performance. It was nice to see some of the other lads come in and you know have, have a chance and um, you know half time we were disappointed obviously um, that we'd let the game slip away a little bit but um, certainly the second half I think the, the lads stepped up again. Milton Keynes Dons are also through to the second round of the Capital One Cup after they beat AFC Wimbledon 3-1. Carl McFadzine, Danielle Powell and Benick Afobi scored the goals. Manager Carl Robinson felt his players were focused. I didn't want it to be a, 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 a sort of a crash-bang wallop affair. I wanted it to be, a, I said to the players, my message at half-time again was, play with your heads, not your heart. I know your heart's in it. I know you care. But play with your heads and try and play in the way that you want to play and hopefully that'll be standing in good stead. Luton Town were knocked out of the Capital One Cup after losing 2-1 at home to Swindon. Luke Rooney was sent off in the second half for diving. Manager John Still was pleased with the new formation worked well. Now we, 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 We've learnt a little bit today about how to play the system and um, we'll, we'll keep working on it. Um, it's not one that we'll play regular but there will be games when we need to play it so I just want to make sure that we, we're up to speed with it. And Wickham Wanderers were also knocked out of the first round of the Capital One Cup. They lost 1-0 away at Millwall. Manager Gareth Ainsworth felt his side caused problems. Although they went to 10 men, um, I, I still thought we kept the pressure on, we kept the bar high, we did what's asked of us in training and we played some great stuff as well. So the signs are all there and, and the bar that they've set, the, the standards they've set, I want them to keep and I want them to keep them all season to stay far away from anything that happened last year to, uh, to come back and haunt us. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next bulletin is at seven. If you hear a whisper, give us a shout. Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's not rubbish. It's staying (laughs) for as long as I'm here. Now, uh, by the way, well done, uh, the front page of the Daily Mail and the Sun for, you know, being idiots. Idiots. Daily Mail. He was facing bankruptcy. It's haunting details of his final night are revealed. Did money troubles tip comedy genius Robin Williams over the edge? Uh, the, the, the salacious headline, flying in the face of the advice that the Samaritans sent out to all of the newspapers yesterday on how to handle stories about suicide. Mm. Don't, lick, so, don't link your suicide stories with uh, potential financial hardship, as that might, you know, cause other people to feel a little bit um, in that way. So, well done, guys. Great work. Really, really great work. Well There's done. There's an element of going through his bins about this as well, isn't there? The Sunday, this weird thing as well. Uh, Robin Williams hanged himself hours after attending an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting as he battled to stay sober. A friend told how Robin, who suffered major financial worries, was at the AA meeting 24 hours before his suicide. Well, I know loads of people who go to AA, and uh, I don't quite see what the connection is. He was well done. He was trying to keep his sobriety. Good work. What's that got to do with committing suicide, guys? No connection at all. Anyway, 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 what have you got in the papers? Well, um, further into the papers, of course, we've got Lauren Bacall. So she's been, she's died after having a stroke at 89. I, well, I mean, well, hey, what a woman, what a woman. I, I, another one I thought was kind of, you know, a long time ago. Well, although she did keep sort of popping up now and again. Did to, she? To remind us, yes, yeah, someone called her a legend once in an interview. She went, no, hang on, honey, legends are dead. Well, well. I'm an actress. And she was a great actress and she seemed to be able to call her out, call the shots herself I know she was a young widow and maybe that and she was of course Bogart's widow maybe that gave her more power in Hollywood but she seemed to live by her own rules that flipping panda's having a baby yeah it won't 
Oh, don't say that. It won't. At last, UK's first baby panda is on the way for Tian Tian. Why do they always have, um, I was going to say silly names. Why do they always have double names? They're always uh, Tian Tian or Zha Zha. Is it a diminutive thing? I don't know. Is it, you know... For nearly three years. But this, this has taken two people to write this story. Ben Spencer and Julianne Barnes. Well, one spoke to the father, one spoke to the mother. <laughs> for nearly three years, we've waited for the pitter-patter of tiny paws. Soon that wait could be over. Experts are confident, again, they were confident before, that giant pian- panda, Tian Tian, whose name means sweetie, oh. is pregnant and may produce Britain's first panda cub by the end of the month. Oh, I mean... I'm going to knit some little panda booties. I think it's going to work out. Oh, Those I guys. We, I, I, I do, you know, the pandas really, I don't, I don't, you know. Oh yeah, you don't think they help themselves, do you? They, they really don't. I, they make it hard on themselves. Well, they, 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 they don't, that's the problem most of the time. But I think we should just, you know, buy pandas. I'm not saying we should kill them. Just let, you know, let, let them, them die out. There, there are, there are uh, uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of um, uh, species that die every day, I reckon. <laughs> you reckon? I don't have any evidence to back. Right. There's very little ev. Yeah. But I'm sure that's the case of like, you know, like a, f- a type of fly that dies every day. Well, just flies, don't they? I hate flies. They don't last very long. I hate flies, but I prefer flies over spiders. So let's let's get rid of spiders. Well, spiders get rid of each other, you know. Yeah, spiders are weird. From sleep sleepwear to streetwear. This is. Oh yeah, I saw this one too. Well, then you can do it. It's by you an anonymous. My homework. Yes, mate. It's by an anonymous Daily Mail reporter. No one wanted to put their name to this story. Read what you. They've obviously not been to uh, where I grew up. Uh, read into you what, what you will. But the surprise fashion hit of the summer is pajamas worn in the street. Now, um, anyone who's been to Salford and gone to the precinct, yep. maybe they don't do it. Some, no, they do. They still do it. Yeah. Um, girls have been wearing pajama bottoms for ages. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you get a, a lady in slippers. That's been going on for young. Oh, I go to the shops in my slippers. I've I've done it. I've never done it in my pajamas. Are they smart slippers, or are they kind of rabbits? Or oh, they're, they're like brown, just a blue, a blue a normal slippers. A, yeah, like a, oh, a blue, blue, a dark blue. Not like those leather ones that could pass. Oh shoes. no, no, I'll bring them in tomorrow. You can have a look. All right. Um, uh, I, I've worn pajamas out, but I've always put trousers over the top, then gone back home and taken my trousers mm-hmm. off. What a ridiculous idea. I bet only idiots do this. Uh, Rihanna, yes. Millie McIntosh, no idea. Kate Moss, yes. Rita, oh, Rita Ora does it. Then I think this is an excellent idea, and I wholeheartedly <laughs> support uh, anybody who wears uh, pyjamas in public I if think Rita most Ora of us, does it. I think most of us have done it, haven't they? Haven't we? Haven't they? I have. Well, you're doing it now. <laughs> I this would. Is, They're very comfortable. There is an opinion piece, and what an opinion piece means, it's, it's about five days after the event. Uh, and it's uh, uh, written by uh, someone who's not a proper journalist. Sarah Vine, I have no idea that woman is. Instinct that makes mums superwomen. And it's that story of the baby buggy that blew onto the train track and the woman climbed on the train track and rescued it. A mother is an extraordinary thing. Take the woman whose toddler was caught on CCTV at Gooch Street Tube Station being sucked onto the live tracks by a freak gust of wind. Without a moment's hesitation, she flings herself off the platform and hoiks the buggy to safety just seconds before the arrival of an oncoming train. Hang on a second, hang on a second. She's not a hero. She was one of the couple that allowed a buggy to be left unattended at the bottom of some steps at a tube station without the brake on. She's as guilty as the fella. Well, 
the thing I think is, what's the alternative? What, she just stands there and lets the um, baby stay there on the platform? Of course she's going to jump in there. And, and she's just the first person to see it. And then, she, then Sarah Vine is having a go at the, I knew this fellow would get sucked into it. <laughs> what, headphones, man. The poor lad, he's got his headphones on, his rucksack. He's not noticed what's going on. That's not a crime to not notice what's going on. Both the men involved, her companion, the clown who failed to apply the buggy's brake in the first place, uh, she allowed... Anyway, and a fellow passenger so lost in the music blaring from his headphones that he seemed oblivious to the entire drama were as much use as a pair of chocolate teapots. Well done for coming up with that. I, I feel so sorry for this fellow with the headphones on. He's just, he's just listening to, I don't know, Dr Dre or the Dave Clark Five. I've got no idea. Uh, and he's been sucked into this. Poor lad. Sorry, that ran Are they over. still looking for that couple? Yeah, probably. Mm, I think we should maybe wait until we find out what exactly happened before we start um, no, let's pouring think. scorn on headphones, man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was another thing I was going to talk to you about. Uh, it was... Huey Lewis? Yeah.
legend just tweeted me, or his wife, or a teenager he employs. Either way, a rock legend just tweeted me. Which one? Dave Davis. From the Kinks, he invented heavy metal. Invented the heavy metal. Did he? Yeah. Well, It yeah. wasn't the Black Sabbath. No, he, they, they ripped off. He, he, to get that noise, we're going to play a Kink song in a bit. And it won't Why be. is it called heavy metal? Do you know? Because it's the metal in it involved in making it is so heavy. Hmm? So he he invented right. So this, right? Uh, the fuzz bit. Yeah, he invented that by standing you, too close to the microphone. No, no, not at all. What he did was he got his uh, he had a little green amp, and he he slashed it with a razor. Oh, and that made it go. So um, you know he invented heavy metal. Can well I have done, that, Dave? Kels, can I have that one little? Just can I just have? Not that. The bit before. Thanks. But just one of them. Thanks. A little bit of production. Yeah. Production values on air. Close that curtain. Close... Sorry. Uh, close the curtain. I need to queue up to it. What, OK, what else we got in the papers? Um, this. A thousand state primary schools have no male teachers at all. Hang on a minute. I've got an idea. Right. Do, do that. Do, say, so do that line again. OK. A thousand state primaries have no male teachers at all. <laughs> That's particularly unwelcome news, given the huge rise in fatherless families. This is Anne Widdicombe's voice, not mine. Well, it's not her voice, but this is what she's written. Uh, It means a boy can have no stable male role model until he's 11. (laughs) If it were the other way round, women would be demanding positive discrimination. (laughs) There you go. I don't know why that's making me laugh. I'm the only one that's laughing, apparently, but... um, um, Hang on a second, hang on a second. I'll stop it. It's making me chuckle. Good. Thanks very much indeed. I find it amusing. I was going to be a primary school teacher about... You'd be great. Yeah, I'd be wicked. You'd be in the playground with the kids with your hood up... No, I'd be in the staff room having a fag. (laughs) I don't think they're allowed to do that anymore. I'm not going to be... No wonder there are no men primary school teachers. (laughs) If that's the case, I was going to do it about... um, 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 Would have been about six years ago. Five years ago. Uh, and I went and I had I went to like an induction course, uh, an induction evening. I went uh, and I got in touch with this this head teacher at a primary school somewhere. I think I think it was somewhere around here. And I went and spent the day. I went and spent the day in the primary school. Oh. It was awesome. I loved it. And it was and they were really kind of welcoming. They had no idea, you know, what I did for a job, but they were really welcoming because there were no blokes doing it. There was there were, there were no men. It's all it's all women doing primary school teaching. We've got a male teaching assistant um, at the school where my daughter goes, and he's really popular. And there are a couple of male teachers, but it has to be said that the primary school industry is dominated by women. I wonder why, because for me, that's where the fun is. You're six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kids teaching them. Brilliant. Because inside the teaching profession, there is a prejudice. They think that teaching primary school is not proper teaching. Completely wrong. They're the most tender and delicate age, and you need to make sure that you get it right early on. Sorry, better stop. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's queuing at the moment on the M1 heading southbound after a vehicle's broken down between Junction 13 for Bedford and Junction 12 at Flittig. Now looking busy to Junction 14 at Milton Keynes. We are just getting in now that all lanes have been reopened though. Also building up a bit on the M1 Luton Spur between Junction 10A for the Kidneywood Roundabout and Junction 10 for Luton Airport as those roadworks continue there. Checking on the M25 and so far this morning no problems or delays. And on the trains everything's looking good. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 
6.46, it's uh, Wednesday the 13th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The RAC says politicians should tackle motorists and bugbears like the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. The cost of clearing up illegally dumped rubbish rubbish in Hertfordshire reached half a million pounds last year, and in football victories for Watford and the MK Dons take them through to the next round of the Capital One Cup, but Stevenage, Luton and Wickham are out. Right, let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a bright start for many this morning. We have some blue sky. Just looking at the satellite picture, we have a bit of high cloud, but you're seeing the brightness behind it. One or two spots of rain possible in a bit of that cloud out there at the moment. But uh, to be honest, it's fairly unlikely we're going to see any showers until perhaps this afternoon. We may get one or two isolated ones pop up here and there. Shouldn't last for long, though. Despite the wind dropping overnight, it hasn't dropped completely. It is still noticeable, so any showers will uh, blow through quite quickly. Temperature getting up to around 21 Celsius so that slightly less breeze means the temperature is slightly higher today. Overnight tonight, we'll get some long, clear spells. Uh, wind becoming very light by dawn tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature down to between 12 and 14 Celsius. For tomorrow, it's a great start. Bright, sunny, similar to today. But then we're going to see the showers developing. Some of those heavy through the afternoon, thundering, perhaps some hail. Temperatures, though, still staying in the low 20s. And that's your forecast. Oh, yes, I can. Every weekday from three. Spend your afternoons talking about beds, hearts and bucks. It's an amazing venue. If you haven't been to Amstel Park, get along. It's absolutely beautiful. Discussing the biggest stories. In terms of our people, we've invested £5 million to recruit new nurses. In the company of friends. Howard Berry and Brown, Amanda Devlin. Amanda, what have you been watching this week? I went to the Happy Days. And debating the week's hottest topics. The biggest problem is, is actually lack of money, lack of opportunities, poor availability of training. The use of CCTV spy to catch people who park illegally is to be banned. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three, BBC Three Counties Radio.
they should end every song like that. I, th- I think the Kinks do, don't they? I love that song, Victoria. Tweet your mate Dave. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll, I'll have a word with Dave Davis of the Kinks. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. Now, this old fella. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> it's in the Daily Mail today. It's, um, I think it's because it's, he's featured in a documentary. <laughs> if practice makes perfect, Harry Cart should be a flawless driver. After all, the 100-year-old Bomber Command veteran's been on the road since 1927. He must be tired. (laughs) I haven't used that for a long time. Um, But as TV documentary profiling Britain's oldest motorist reveals his skills may alarm some fellow drivers. Uh, Yeah, go on. Brace yourself. Yeah, this is is not good. The great-grandfather from Solihull is shown... I'm sure he's a brilliant grandfather. ...is shown forgetting his indicators, mounting the pavement, shouting, be the curb... Yeah. Not, you know. Rugger the curb. Yes, as he does so, and even drifting into the wrong lane during the program. Oh, a little bit drifted. Because, <laughs> because compulsory tests were not introduced until 1935. He's never oh, had to take it, a driving. Here we down. go. Here we go. Little loophole. Cheeky driving loophole. He's been driving for 86 years. Although he dri- must be tired. <laughs> I haven't used that for a few seconds. Although drivers over 70 need to reapply for their licences every three years, their skills and their eyesight are not automatically reassessed, and it's up to them to confirm they're still capable. Yeah, it's up to them. This is what he says. Asked if he would ever give up driving, Mr Carts, a former chairman of Aston Villa Football Club, replied, when I've got to this stage and I'm not ready to react to other people's actions, I don't want to drive like an old man. I'm not an old man. I've got my licence until 2016, but I don't think I've got a licence for myself until 2016. I think I should be gone before then. Hang on a second, hang on. Did a one hundred whatever's he got of that? He's lived to a hundred. He's probably going to be around in twenty sixteen. Did a one hundred year old man actually say, "I'm not an old man," yeah, and I don't want to drive like an old man? Flipping it. Well, Danny Bailey is uh, is out on the street. Morning, Danny. He's out on the street. Oh, there is a lovely delay there. Morning, Danny. Good morning. Uh, you've been talking to uh, people about this one hundred year old man. Are most people sensible like me and think he's too old to drive? No, they're not. Most of them are saying it depends on, uh, on their mental capacity and their health. Well, let's, let's have a listen and find out what they say. Samantha, do you think 100 years old is too old to drive? I think as long as they are able to see where they drive and actually have the right health to do it, then it's fine, yeah. Depending on that person, really. If, 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 if that person can drive, yes, still, why not? Why not? If they can do drive, yes, still they can. Billy, do you think 100 is too old to drive? Uh, no, I don't think so. I guess it would depend on how fit the person is at the time. 100 is quite old, but, you know, people are living longer nowadays, and I guess it should be OK. Oliver, do you think 100 is too old to drive? No, I don't think it is. If you feel like you can drive that age, go ahead. Yes, I think it's too much for driving, because I think um, people have a lot of problems, like with uh, health. With eyes, uh, with memory, and we need to think about other people who drive. And sometimes old people is problem in road. I agree with that lady. Sometimes old people is problem in road. She's right. He's a hundred years old. But he's been regulated by his son. He checks on his driving. Oh, okay. So a young son, lad, help him out. Uh, his son's sixty-nine. <laughs> his son is too old to be driving. <laughs> His son John told the programme that children of ageing drivers do have a responsibility to check everything is going well. But he's given his father the old all clear, God despite watching him mount the curb and drift into the wrong lane. 
Come on, Guy, back me up on this. You, uh, we do this from time to time, and we have a little bit of fun, and uh, indeed what I like to call bants, hashtag bants with it. A hundred... He's t- this man has never had a driving test in his be- life. I was behind a woman driving through Woburn yesterday yeah. and she was driving, following her eyes. Wow. <laughs> she was having a look in the shops and pulling over to the side of the road, no indicating, pulling over to the side of the road, stopping for a bit, rolling the car on. So I didn't know whether to overtake her or not. I decided she'd stopped. Yeah. Started to overtake her. She started driving again. So she was, she was window shopping in the car. My dad never took a driving test. Really? Yeah, it, it, he was in the army... And uh, like a major or something said, son, can you drive me to such and such? He said, I, I, I've not got a driving licence, sir. He said, well, you just drive me, boy. And so he drove him and he went, right, you've passed your driving test. And that was it. Really? Yeah, and he just kind of filled in a form and he gave him a driving, t- driving licence. My granddad never wore a seatbelt. We were always saying, Grandad, put your seatbelt on. Those were the days. Well, they used to be able to drink, drive and all sorts, didn't, didn't you? they? Didn't I remember climbing all over. I remember sitting in the front, cl- hanging out in the middle when I was a kid, putting my head out the window. Me and my like cousin. A dog. <laughs> a big... The best thing. Yeah. Me and my cousin sat in the back of a transit van once all the way to Blackpool. Yeah. And we used to fight over who would sit on the wheel arch. You can't do that anymore. No, 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 no. no. You, can't, you can't sit in the back of a tranny anymore. Now, this is disgusting. Women, woman who hasn't used shampoo for two years. Mm. Oh, your hair naturally cleans itself. No, it doesn't. You need shampoo for it. Is she using something else? A beauty blogger who has not used for shampoo for two years says her hair is healthier than ever. Lucy Aitken-Reed ditched shampoos because she felt they contained too many chemicals. Yeah, to clean your hair. They're hair cleaning cleaning chemicals. She began following a method... Oh, dear. Vinegar? She she began following a method called no poo. What? which involves using only water or natural substitutes. The movement is gaining momentum in beauty circles as fans insist the benefits outweigh the... Well, look, she was making an effort to try and wash it. There was a lad in my class uh, called uh, Barney, and he decided that his dreads would clean themselves eventually. They didn't. We could smell him as soon as he walked in. She's written a book called Happy Hair about her experience. In it, she lists 30 alternatives to shampoo, including bicarbonate of soda, honey, Mm. lemon juice... Mm. Egg, flour. That's a cake. That's a cake recipe she's using, for goodness sakes. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound is queuing at the moment um, because of a broken down vehicle between Junction 13 for Bedford and Junction 12 for Flittick. Now seeing queues back to Junction 14 at Milton Keynes. The M25 heading anti-clockwise starting to build up now between Junction 21 the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And in Borehamwood the Barnet Bypass looking rather slow moving between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Come on, guys, a 100-year-old motorist. And we're talking about motoring. It's a, a car special. What annoys you about other drivers? We'll find out more after the news with Jane. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. seven o'clock.
o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. The RAC calls on politicians to tackle motorist concerns. Hertfordshire counts the cost of fly tipping and the Hollywood actress Lauren McCall has died. BBC Three Counties Radio. Politicians are being called upon to do something about the problems faced by motorists. In a survey by the RAC, the cost of fuel, the state of the roads and poor parking facilities top the issues drivers have to deal with. Technical Director of the Motoring Organisation, David Bisley, told Ian Lee illegal behaviour is also a worry. Increasingly, people are expressing concerns to us about uh, the illegal behaviour of the minority of drivers, particularly on things like using handheld phones while driving. Around half a million pounds was spent in Hertfordshire last year clearing up fly tipping. There were more than a thousand incidents dealt with in the decorum area alone. The figures came as people living in the village of villages of Markyacht and Flamstead have highlighted the problem in local country lanes. More from Carol Abercrombie. Decorum Borough Council says enforcement action cost them more than £53,000 between April last year and March this year. The cost of collection of the rubbish during that period was close to £100,000. Six cases of illegal fly tipping are currently being investigated. A farmer in Hertfordshire is hoping the introduction of new CCTV cameras will help catch fly tippers who've plagued his land for years. Bill Barr, who farms between Flamstead and St Albans, says it's very difficult to catch them in the act and get a prosecution. He says they can be very intimidating. Most of these people that do the fly tipping are not people to mess with. And if we go to the police, they know where we live and they're going to destroy us. That's the word they used. The US has sent 130 military personnel to Iraq, where a bitter battle between Islamic State extremists is being fought. The Pentagon says they won't be involved in combat operations. They will instead help Iraqi forces and provide a more in-depth assessment of the threats they're facing. Firefighters were called to a house on fire in St Albans last night. A woman was led to safety and two men were treated for breathing in smoke in Park Street. One of Hollywood's great leading ladies, Lauren Bacall, has died at the age of 89. She became famous because of her first movie scene, Into Have and Have Not, opposite Humphrey Bogart, who she later went on to marry. The entertainment journalist, Jeannie Wolfe, met her and says she wasn't like most of the characters she played. In last night's football, Watford are through to the second round of the Capital One Cup after beating Stevenage 1-0. Also through are the Milton Keynes Dons with a 3-1 victory over AFC Wimbledon. But both Luton Town and Wickham Wanderers are out, losing to Swindon and Millwall. The weather, a dry day with some good sunny spells, just the odd shower, temperatures up to 21 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. <laughs> BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Never walk out the door without seeing people that you know and saying hi. All this week, we're featuring Flamstead and Markiate. You can get a, a, a Queen's counsellor talking to a plumber on exactly the same level. It's all about where you live. I live here, I work here, partner works in the village. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> BBC Three Counties Radio. It's kind of uh, a motoring special today. Oh, that reminds me, I want to get my car cleaned inside and out. Fun times. Fun times. I'm living the showbiz dream. Right, so what have we got on the show? Well, moaning motorists, manly maps, furious farmer, 
And, uh, uh, well, a 100-year-old driver? I don't think so. If you want to see a, a, a map that looks like a, a, a gentleman's... Um, uh, gentleman's... Yes. Then uh, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. The best way to get in touch, though, is give us a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The RAC is... The RAC is calling for... Well, I'm not totally sure what they're, they're calling for. They, they, they seem to be wanting main political parties to tell us where they stand on the things that most annoy motorists. According to its research, the shortlist is the cost of fuel, a lack of parking, and a shortage of traffic police cracking down on dodgy driving. Well, Watford-based motoring journalist and friend of the show, Adam Rayner, joins me. Now, morning, Adam. Good morning. What do you think of the RAC's pet peeves? Um, well, actually, you did leave out the one about the, uh, the state of repair of the roads, but the, there are sort of four things that they've written in an official letter to all of the political parties, and I do hate to say it, but there is a little element of them really seeking mostly attention. The, the really big story here is something which they are a part of, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's really far from anything new, and they are just merely a small part of, and that's the Fair Fuel UK thing, mm. um, which has been proven to be right, and as it's borne teeth and it's worked, it's proven that it works too, which is when fuel prices are through the roof, people don't do the motoring thing, and it, it puts a crimp on the whole economy. So more, more tax could be generated for the country if they reduced the, the, the price of fuel a little bit? Um, well, daft, but absolutely yeah. true. It, it really isn't quite such a linear charge more, we'll get more for the coffers. But the whole economy suffers, and uh, it has been absolutely proven that if we do do something about it and the government listens, which they have been in recent years, then that's a jolly good thing. But uh, I, I fear that this motor organisation is being a, a little bit attention-seeking. I... This, this, I think it might be a little bit of a device, because this is not new. And trying to, uh, so to hijack cynical, the idea You're so cynical. It's them, it's them talking over yeah. you. They've just been a piece of this. and And the other bits really are... Well, uh, uh, a little bit petulant, perhaps. One know. of the things that really annoys me... Let's, let's talk about our, our pet peeves for a second, Adam. One of the things that annoys me is that the, the people on the motorway driving in the middle lane, 60, 65, even 70 miles an hour, when they're going slower than the other lane. The, the law was changed last year, so it's illegal to, to just hog the middle lane, yet nothing seems to be done about it. It, it, is, it is very difficult. It's right up there with the... Uh, uh, with the person with a massive sense of, uh, well, it's me, so I matter more, hand holding their telephone to their head in a car that frankly costs more per time to fill up than any single hands free system costs. Mm. Um, there is, yes, I, I, I'm kind of with them on that. That whole centre lane owner driver clod thing. There, there really are plenty of people who still do that. And here's another thing, Adam. That you, uh, 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 truck drivers. What? I hate the arrogance of a truck driver that they flash to let me know I can pull in front. I know when I can pull in front of you. I can see the space. Don't flash. Um, that that means that they're actually affording you some uh, some respect. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm not if, used if to that. Actually, flashing you to say you can pull back in. It means a you must have been going horribly slowly, and b they they think you're a lorry. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. What annoys you when you're on the roads? Um, well, actually, the uh, those centre lane owner drivers and people who don't use the motorways like like the Germans do. I oh, know we're not in Germany, but uh, it's just that whole thing about uh, someone's in front of you and and you're actually uh, approaching them. Then really, truly, you should 
they should kind of get out of the way. Mm. But it seems that people who drive my personality rather than that little green book with the rules in... Yes. ...drives me spacky. What do you uh, think uh, should be done to... Uh, should we have tougher policing on the roads? Well, I, I, I do have an issue with being policed by flaming robots... I really do. Um, I, I, I'm not too keen on the whole 1984 Big Brother thing. I do know that it's uh, kind of necessary and it's going to be kicking in more and more. But the uh, the whole issue of, of camera surveillance, specifically the ones that uh, are there run by councils to tell you off if if you happen to uh, to, to misbehave on a junction or some such, mm. there, there's, there's a, a council terribly near me that are absolutely appalling and the... Uh, for doing that, but my, my local one, which is uh, good old Watford here, they run a particularly sneaky thing with their parking. Oh. There's a little tiny sign the size of an iPad, well, a bit bigger, but, but on things like on the bypass or somewhere out at the edges of suburbia, and, and they tell you that uh, parking restrictions operate on bank holidays, and every single bank holiday, the whole of Watford is filled with people parking on single yellows and gleeful parking operatives on double bubble. Excellent. And it's, it's a scam. Drives me mad. Adam, listen, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. And by the way, if anybody was offended by any of the language that Adam may or may not have used, uh, sincerest apologies. As you know, it's never our intention on this show to uh, offend. And uh, I think a, a slightly casual word was, uh, was slipped out that was unnecessary. So apologies if anybody was offended by that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Uh, I didn't. I forgot to ask Adam about the 100-year-old driver. Oh. It's too, it's too old. It's too old. He's being helped by his 69-year-old son. That kind of sums it up for me. Listen, I'm not so... I, I know, that, dear listener, that we disagree on this quite often. I do think that from the age of 68, 70, you should have to have a driving test every couple of years. I, we disagree on that, and that's fine. You have to agree with me, though, that 100 is way too old to be driving. And also, do you think it's fair that it should be left to someone's children to regulate them? How are you going to tell your parents you think that it's time that they hung up the keys? People have done it, I know they have, but it's got to be a really hard conversation, and you can't be subjective. I, um... Objective, My mum had her driving licence taken off her when she got diagnosed with MS. And uh, looking back, do you know what? I probably could have. I probably could have stepped in. I'm glad I didn't have. I'm not. I should have stepped in earlier and taken the keys off her. That would have been an incredibly awkward and unpleasant scenario to have been involved in. I have younger relatives whose driving is dodgy. But what do you do? You can't say to them. I mean, who am I to say? You need an official line on it. So maybe the retest isn't such a bad idea. It's a good. I'm full of good ideas. Sometimes. Hey, this um, sad cat, is it that what it's called? Angry Grumpy cat. cat. Grumpy cat. Is this real? I have, um, I, I follow, uh, I, I am on Facebook, but I'm kind of anonymous on Facebook. I hide. I have no friends. Tell me about it. Uh, or any, I just kind of lurk there. And I follow some people, and there is a particularly bonkers woman in America who I follow who uh, is constantly posting pictures of this grumpy cat, and I didn't realise it was a phenomenon yeah, I was over there recently, and it's on mugs and tops and sweatshirts. It's, a, it's all over the shop. She's arguably the most famous cat in the world with a best-selling book and a movie deal. Her face appears on calendars, mugs and T-shirts. You'd think she could manage a smile, but this is Grumpy Cat, who has built a £60 million empire by looking to... Be- is this a... It's a real cat, is it? Yeah, I thought they'd done something to its mouth with computers, but apparently that's its mouth. I think they do it with staples, don't they? <laughs> oh, that- don't. No, don't, no, don't, don't, don't. It's just got a very, ah, very downturn mouth. Grumpy cat who was born with dwarfism and an underbite. Ah. 
giving her a disgruntled expression as... Uh, oh, I see. OK, so she's got an underbite, a cat with an underbite. It's an extraordinary little face. Here's a thing. Grumpy Cat's got a movie deal. Why would anybody go and see Pudsey the movie, which I saw advertised on the side of a bus yesterday? I think that's the problem. No-one's gone to see it. I don't it. think people are going. David Walliams is in it. Um, there are a couple of other big... Uh, big names. You mean David Walliams off the show that he was... Ah, yes, thank you. Thank you, of course, there's the connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of other people who are in it as well. I mean, hey, listen, if you're, if you're offered the shekel, then take it, of course. But, uh, but Pudsey... So Pudsey was on a talent show. Yeah. And what's the movie about? Is the movie about... Don't know. Does this it is- solve a crime? Because um, films where animals solve crimes, Dunstan checks in, for example, great movie about a monkey going into a hotel. Love it. But uh, I, I don't know. Any what... which way but loose, great. Beautiful. Boxing orangutan. But you'd watch that on, those on the telly. Yes. You wouldn't. You, you may pay one ninety nine to to download it from Sky for a weekend, but you wouldn't go to the cinema to see it. No, I don't really go for um, animal movies though. That's not my thing. Um, Pudsey's special talent is dancing, so I imagine there's some oh. kind of elaborate dance off. Required. We, Maybe it's uh, dirty dancing for dogs. If you, if you've seen, did you not read the text I sent you yesterday? If you've seen Pudsey the movie, could you give us a call? Richard in Windsor, have you seen the, the Pudsey the movie? No. Oh, that's 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 a conversation killer. Sorry. Hello. Yes. Are you there, mother? Yeah, you sound uh, particularly tired and old today. <coughs> oh, gosh. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What have you got for us, Richard? Now, listen, you were talking about um, bad driving, things on the road and what have you. Yeah. The thing that really upsets me, amongst other things, of course, apart from getting hassled by you, um, people pull out and put their indicators on too late. For example, come out to the traffic light, you can go straight ahead or turn right, and they don't put the indicator on until the lights change. The reason it's called an indicator is so that it indicates what you do. It's not a, I am doing the manoeuvre now, Cater. It's an indicator. Is that how you... All those silly people that put their indicators on too late or halfway through the manoeuvre, put it on 20, 30, 40 yards before you get there. I had a truck pull out in front of me uh, this morning on the motorway. and Really? Yeah, without using its indicators. And I flashed it. uh, And then when I pulled in front of it, he, he put his full beam on me, and I'm just thinking, come on, guys, you, you've got... If only there was some way of letting me know which way you're going to go. Oh, there is. It's called an indicator. You should have got out and duffed him up. I'm not going to get out and duff him up. By the way, well done. I've not heard the word uh, uh, phrase duff him up for about 30 years, so thanks for that. It's all right. You're welcome. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound, still queuing at the moment due to a broken down vehicle between Junction 13 for Bedford and Junction 12 at Flitwick. Looking quite busy at the moment to Junction 14 at Milton Keynes. The M25 heading anti-clockwise, rather slow moving on camera between Junction 17 at Maple Cross and Junction 16 for the M40. In Borenwood, looking rather slow on the Barnet Bypass on camera between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And on the Stansted Express, there's delays of up to about 15 minutes between Liverpool Street and Stansted Airport due to a faulty train. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. There's something very bizarre happening on Twitter. 
I need to have a little look in a minute. Can we play a really long record or something? 7.16. It's Wednesday the 13th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The RAC is calling on politicians to do something about issues like the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. Fly tipping in Hertfordshire is costing half a million pounds a year to clear up. And in football in the Capital One Cup, there were victories for Watford and the MK Dons. But unfortunately, Stevenage, Luton and Wickham are out of the competition. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Lots to discuss. Do you agree with her? Do you think she speaks a lot of sense? With the biggest questions. Should Muslim women be allowed to wear the veil in court? And is it fair to only give people this kind of benefit for three months? And the biggest opinions. I'd like to hear from you. I feel strongly because... Children should be taught in a structured way. You know, there's nothing better in life than real-life experience. Don't need to be patronising. Excuse me, I'm talking sorry. There's two words here. Common sense. Well, anyway, pet hate really strongly about it. We're talking about that. I agree with you. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Now, on our big tour of Beds, Hearts and Buck, we ask, we ask you for your stories. And this week, we're in the Hertfordshire villages of Mark Yate and Flamstead. One of the issues you've highlighted is fly tipping. Clearly not a problem that's limited to that area, and country lanes across the area are blighted. Let me just read that sentence again and see if it makes sense. It's clearly not a problem that's limited to that area, and country lanes across the area are blighted. It kind of does. One of those who's been badly affected is Bill Barr, who farms at Dane End Farm on the outskirts of St Albans. He told our reporter Matt Lockers-Lockwood he's resorted to CCTV. Whoever's doing the fly tipping is tipping the rubbish and some of it is really horrible stuff. Tyres, asbestos, I had fridges last week, and then other time it's just vile rubbish. We can't actually get out of our farms at that point because there's a great... It's not just a little bit, this is a lorry load. We're stuck. Not only is it uh, dangerous, it's very inconvenient as well. Um, so what are you doing to try and solve this problem then? At long last we have got some cameras um, which are installed now and we're going to try and catch these people. Um, it's the only way. Um, we've, we've tried doing it a sensible way and we just can't seem to, to nab them, but photographic evidence is, is all we require. If we find somebody's fly tipped, then we can look at the uh, video evidence from the camera and hopefully we'll have the number plate, the people. The police will then uh, take it on themselves to go and uh, find these people rather than the council who were doing the job. They're going to go straight away to whoever's address is on the rubbish or whoever we've caught. They will be straight away um, pulled in. We're here when people fly tip. It's hard to catch those who are responsible. This sounds sounds pretty easy. Well, that's right. We've ne- just we never managed to catch them. It just happens, or we're the wrong side of the heap of rubbish, and we can't get past to actually try and catch them. 
and plus the fact most of these people that do the fly tipping are not uh, people to mess with. What's been well, their approach, what they said to you? Well, they're, they're threatening us and if we go to the police, they know where we live and they're going to destroy us, that's the word they used. That must be very scary. I mean, it, you know, you're on the farm, you're a bit isolated out here, aren't you? Yes, very much so, very much so. It's not something that I want to repeat, and um, that, that's the trouble. These people are beneath the law. They're not above the law, they're beneath the law. The law has not caught up with them. Well, listening to that uh, is Brian Finnerty from Hertfordshire National Farmers Union. Morning, Brian. Good morning, Ian. Do you think that what you just heard there is right, that the law is yet to catch up with fly tippers? Well, I think we do find that it does vary across the country, but some local authorities are very good at investigating these sorts of incidents. Um, as you can imagine, it's quite time-consuming. You have to do a lot of investigation. But there have been some prosecutions. Sadly, not enough. It is, it is a big problem in the countryside. affects about two-thirds of our members, and it's a problem they have to deal with. And obviously, unfortunately, they have to pay when rubbish is dumped on their land. Ah, because it's private land, so they have to pay to clear it off. That's right. I mean, when it's on council land or public land, the council do pay, and, and we have estimate that I think across Hertfordshire it's costing council taxpayers about half a million pounds mm. a year. So that's a big cost in itself. But on, when it's on, on, the, on land that farmers own or farmers farm, they have to pay to clear it out themselves. That can't be fun. We, we, you know, we often hear that farmers are struggling. Uh, to, so to have to, to spend money on something that's, that's you know, uh, unnecessary, it, it can't be good for them. Well, exactly. As, as you can imagine, especially this time of year, it's incredibly busy on farms. They're trying to bring the food in for our plates at the moment on the harvest. The last thing they want to be doing is having to clear up huge, tar- uh, huge piles of dumped tyres, fridges, concrete, builders' rubble, all the sorts of typical things that Bill was describing in that clip you heard there. Do the police help, Brian? Well, I think there is more that the police could do. Um, I think one of the things is recognising that fly-tipping is a crime. And, and as, as a crime, you know, there should be some police involvement in solving it. We were involved in a, a pilot scheme in Suffolk um, earlier on the year and last year, and that involved lots of people from the police to the local authorities to the farmers. And, and there were things like days of action where um, vehicles were stopped and, and people were, were checked to see if they had the correct transfer licences, all these sorts of things. And that was very effective. That was a pilot scheme we'd like to see repeated in Hertfordshire and other parts of the country as well. What, what can farmers do? If they've got a, you know, a corner of the, their farm that they can't quite see or it's, you know, they don't want to put CCTV up there, is there anything else they can do? Well, we've got farmers who have put up gates and barriers. They've tried things like improved visibility and light, lighting. Obviously, these cameras as well. And also removing fly tipping as, as, as quickly as they can and time allows because you know, rubbish will accumulate more rubbish. So you do need to try and get on top of it if you can with the cost of that entails. But ultimately, you are out in the countryside and it is very, very hard to secure your farm against these fly tippers. Brian, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Brian Finnerty from the Hertfordshire National Farmers Union there, as he, as he said. Farmers are working hard to put the food on your plate. Put food in my belly. Put food in my belly more. Thank you, Brian. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you hear a whisper, guess give us our shells. Maybe that one doesn't work quite so well. It's awful. The whole thing's a bad idea. Did he say shelf? Yeah. He said give up a shelf. Now listen, my good friend... Paul Scoynes, as when he was standing in uh, as a producer for the scheduled two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then your return, which was planned, uh, that was probably the best thing he came up with, as well as doing some excellent production work. Wow. 
I'm not sure about the shirt I'm wearing today. I like it. Now, you're only saying that... No, no, I actually no. like it. It's different. No. Oh, yeesh. From what you usually wear. Oof. I'm only saying that. You're only saying that. Who's saying what? You're saying that. I'm saying I like your shirt. <clears throat> because I have thrown away a pair of shoes because of you. I threw away a T-shirt the other week. I don't think you were in. That no, wasn't you. that's not my involvement. But I, I left it in a hotel bin. Um, and I, I bought this for the telly. It don't work on the telly. It's strobes. It goes all psychedelic. I think it makes me look like either Stuart McConey or Chris Evans. And I was, yeah. I, well, oh. you know, you say that because they wear a floral shirt on occasion. I just think I it's think as I'm getting older, I should start dressing younger. Shall I tweet a picture and see what the general public thinks? No, I don't. I don't want Instagram. I don't want. No, I don't think those guys need to Facebook? have a. I don't think those guys need to uh, have a little look at it. I think everybody needs to have a little yeah, look at this. It's not going to happen. Hey, if you want to see me, I'll be walking to my car at one minute past nine this morning, so you can come and have a look at it then, guys. I'll be BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll be in the car park, getting into my car and driving home. If you want to come and have a look at it then. Shall we have a look at the front page of the papers? Yeah. Fine, OK. Uh, the Guardian. Why is... Gar- here's two, th- here's yeah. two words I don't understand. I mean, I understand them. I don't understand the spelling. Guard okay. should be G-A-U-R-D. Because that's how I always go to spell it. Oh. It should, it should be G-A-U-R-D. Guard. Not mm-hmm. it, it's spelled guard. Mm-hmm. It should be guard. Okay. And phoenix should should be P H E O N I X. Phoenix, not phoenix. Okay, I'll just ring Oxford English Dictionary. Just ring like up that. the words, Kels. How would you spell phoenix? Phoenix. Phoenix. P H E O N I X. That's the wrong way to spell it. Why? It's it, apparently, mm. according to the dictionary, it's spelled P H O E. N-I-X. Phoenix, Ooh. not Phoenix. No, it's not our word, though, is it? We've nicked it from somewhere else. Well, Dennis we... just called moaning. Greece. Well, 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 yeah, but all of the words we nick from Greek and Latin, we then spell English. Why are we not spelling that one English? And how would you spell guard, Kelly? G-U-A-R-D. Wrong. I mean, right, yeah. but in my world that would be wrong. Would you spell it G-A-R-D? Of course I would, because that's how I go to spell it every time. How and, do you and spell it... Ian? Yeah. She's got you there. Mm-hmm. I've been hoisted by my own petard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the only reason I know that I've spelt Guardian wrong is that a little red line appears underneath it. And I go, oh, done that again. So, is that on the front page of the paper? Because that's quite a long article. Well, no, the word, gar- the, the word Guardian is on the oh, front right. page of newspaper, The Guardian. Uh, and that's led me onto that uh, flight of fancy. What did Dennis want to have a whinge about? Uh, he said... Um, he said schedule what, wrong, it's schedule. It is, of okay, course. thank you I very said, much do you want to come on? He said, no, I'm too upset. Okay. And then he cried, and then he hung up. OK. Only half of that's true, the crying bit. Robin uh, Williams is on the front page of The Guardian uh, in a piece written by um, uh, Pop-Tart Russell Brand. Oh. <clears throat> oh, gosh. Uh, food watchdog admits poultry boring. Britain boosts role in battle with militants. I mean, important but boring. Let's go. Let's go to the three important newspapers, shall we? The uh, Express, the Mail, and the Sun. Um, the The Express hospital car park ripoff must end. What? That's a front page story. Daily Express Crusade. Who's the dude on the front page of the Express? The Crusader. Yeah. <clears throat> Who is he? Who is who is who is he? No, that's what he's called. But who is he? Just random crusader. You can't just have a random crusader. There were loads of them. But who is he, and why is his neck at such a, a painful angle? Uh, he's like really. I is he crooked? Has he slept badly in his in his armour? 
It's been there for years. Why are you suddenly getting upset about it now? I'm not upset. I just want to know who this guy is. All right, let me look. <clears throat> Hospital car po- park ripoff must end. Join our crusade to tax unfair charges. To axe unfair charges. Today, the Daily Express is launching a crusade to help the sick, the elderly, the families of the sick, the families of the elderly, people who may come into contact with the sick, may come into contact with the elderly, people who use hospital car parks. By calling... What a a weird sentence. By calling for an end to unfair hospital car park charges. We aim to shame the worst of the health trust so they cut their sky-high fees or do away with them altogether. You can't have free car parking in a hospital. It won't work. You have to charge something. Otherwise, if your hospital is near a train station or near a... Te- people will just go and use the free car park and walk. So you've got to charge something. Express, silly crusader. Who is he? It's the crusader. Yeah, but who to is Peter he? Peter Hill, editor. I'm just going to tell you. Do OK. You, do, you want, do you want me to... Peter Hill, editor. The Daily Express's front page emblem is the crusader. Who is he, though? No, the... With a capital T but and a capital... What does that mean? Cur. It's the crusader. That's that's his name. It can't... <laughs> First like name, the... the surname, crusader. <laughs> kind of like the Stig. The Batman. The Batman. Yeah. Exactly. And we truly are a crusader. The Green Hornet! He's got a middle name, Green. We crusade on the issues that affect our readers and the wider public, such as inheritance tax... Weather, arthritis and immigrants, and Princess Diana and Madeleine McCann. The Daily Express believes in traditional values, decency, politeness, personal responsibility and honesty. We are a progressive newspaper. Whoa, whoa, the Express is progressive? This is in the media pack that they got online. Ah, I see, I see. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Queuing on the M1 heading southbound at the moment between Junction 13 for Bedford and Junction 12 for Flitwick. Looking quite busy now to Junction 14 at Milton Keynes. There's a broken down vehicle there causing delays. Also building up on the M1 Luton Spur between Junction 10A for the Kidneywood Roundabout and Junction 10 for Luton Airport as those major roadworks are continuing there. The M25 heading anti-clockwise, very slow moving on camera at the moment between Junction 17 at Maple Cross and Junction 16 for the M40. Also quite slow at the moment between Junction 28 for the Brook Street Roundabout and Junction 24 at Potter's Bar. Uh, Just getting in that normal service has now resumed on the Stansted Express and that was between Liverpool Street and Stansted Airport. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. The RAC is calling on political parties of all hues to address what it calls the motorist agenda. Among the concerns are the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. Around half a million pounds were spent in Hertfordshire last year, clearing up fly-tipping. There were more than a 1,000 incidents dealt with in the decorum area alone. The actress Lauren Bacall has died at the age of 89. She was best known for her roles opposite Humphrey Bogart, who went on to marry her. The weather, bright or sunny spells and the odd shower. On to sport and in football. Watford are through to the second round of the Capital One Cup after beating Stevenage 1-0 last night. Lloyd Dyer scored the goal. Stevenage manager Graeme Wesley felt his side's experience will develop as a result. Nerves probably got the better of you know, one or two out there and they didn't perform to, to the level they're capable of. But they'll take confidence. They'll look back on the game and think, oh, as you say, if only. Um, and you, know, you can't give them the confidence of playing those games and, and having that experience. But uh, certainly their confidence levels will grow on tonight. 
Milton Keynes Dons are also through after they beat AFC Wimbledon 3-1. Carl McFadzian, Daniel Powell and Benick Afobi scored the Dons goals. Manager Carl Robinson felt his players were focused. I didn't want it to be a, 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 a sort of crash-bang wallop affair. I wanted it to be, a, I said to the players, my message at half-time again was, play with your heads, not your heart. I know your heart's in it, I know you care, but play with your heads and try and play in the way that you want to play and hopefully that'll be standing in good stead. Luton Town were knocked out of the Capital One Cup after losing 2-1 at home to Swindon. Luke Rooney was sent off in the second half for diving. Manager John Still was pleased with the new formation and says it worked well. Now we, 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 we've learnt a little bit today about how to play the system and um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep working on it. Um, it's not one that we'll play regular, but there will be games when we need to play it, so I just want to make sure that we, we're up to speed with it. Wickham Wanderers were also knocked out. They lost 1-0 away at Millwall. Manager Gareth Ainsworth felt his size. side caused problems. Although they went to 10-man, um, I, I still thought we kept the pressure on, we kept the bar high, we did what's asked of us in training and we played some great stuff as well, so... The signs are all there and, and the bar that they've set, the, the standards they've set, I want them to keep and I want them to keep them all season to stay far away from anything that happened last year to, uh, to come back and haunt us. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next bulletin is at eight. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, well, it's um, fun times. It's a motoring special today. Uh, we're talking about the things that irritate you uh, when it comes to other drivers. Middle lane hoggers, middle lane hoggers, MLH. They do my. No- they're the worst kind of drivers, aren't they? Them and tailgaters. Yeah, tailgaters. I'm not so fussed about those guys. I mean, I don't like them, but I'm not so fussed about those guys. Not really? Yeah. I mean, they're. What's, what's your beef with tailgaters? Dangerous. Yes. Bullying. Well. Cause accidents may not necessarily be in them. I've got a tailgater. I'll slow down. Also, let's all just chill out, shall we? Yeah, a little bit of. What's so to, to quote um, um, uh, Nick Lowe? What is so funny about peace, love, and understanding, guys? You yeah. know, let's just drive like um, we don't need to get somewhere. Work like you don't. What's the quote? Dance like nobody's watching. Work like you don't need the, the money. money. And, and then there's one more bit. And it's a Vonnegut. It's a Kurt Vonnegut. What's the other bit? Live like... Laugh like... your last day. No. Here. Live in La Vida Loca. Laugh like a drain. N- la- that's it. Laugh like a drain. Dance like no one's watching you. Work like you don't need the money. What do you mean, laugh like a drain? <laughs> uh, other drivers that annoy me are really, uh, really, really, really old ones. You right? Yeah. I'll ditch the car when I get old, says Driver 100. You are old fella, Mr. Carts. Harry Carts. If practice makes perfect, Harry Carts should be a flaw. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not having to go at him personally. I am a bit. But I bet he's a really nice guy. I'm, I'm having a go. I'm not having a go at Mr. Carts. I'm sure he's wonderful. Uh, I, I'm, I'm having a go at uh, the crazy laws that allow. Whoa. What? We didn't get to the end of this story. Oh, no, 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 no. What? Hi. He's not alone. (laughs) Also featured, this is on tonight, ITV, 8 o'clock. I don't normally plug TV programmes, but this is going to get taped. I'm going to tape over uh, my son's second birthday party and and have this. You're going to stick it on the end? Nah, I've seen seen it. I won't want to watch it again, so I'll just take this. Also featured is retired teacher Mary Walker, 100, 
who admitted flouting speed limits, saying, it's exhilarating going fast. People that drive slowly, they frustrate you. How fast do I like to go? I don't think I ought to answer that. Oh, she's a game gal. Searson Thompson, 102, lives in Wales, said he would be stranded without his car. Tough! I drive because I'm completely self-sufficient, he said. Come on, guys. Tough. It's tough. Go and move, go and move somewhere where you're not stranded then. Look, I think some people are probably OK, but what I think don't matter. What their children think don't matter. They shouldn't be the ones deciding whether their parents drive or not. There should be some sort of test. I wait four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Peter is in Warmer, Warmer Green. Morning, Peter. Good morning. What do you have a whinge about today? Well, I'd like to see hidden speed cameras. Actually, totally they, hidden. They used to be. They used to be um, kind of um, hidden. Now they have to be bright yellow, don't they? Yes, because uh, what they're what they're saying with those type of cameras is. There's a camera in front of you, slow down, when you go by, speed up again. Well, well, they're not actually saying that, but that's the message you're getting from it. In effect, yes. Yeah. And and, uh, if you've got hidden ones, they can be financed, you can get more and more, because they can be financed by the idiots who speed. Right. I mean, the number of times, the number of times the, there's a 50 mile an hour because the weather's extremely bad, you people doing 70. Yeah. And uh, tailgating on the outside lane. Do you drive, Peter? Absolutely. I've been driving since 1962. You must be tired. And no, and by the way, no huh? accidents. How old are no, you? No speeding tickets. Oh, you've been lucky. You've got away with it. How old are you? I'm a bit older than you are. You're I saw you on 8 out of 10 last night. Oh, that was years ago. That was <laughs> I like... know, you looked at about 45. Uh, uh, what? That was 10 years ago, you cheeky so-and-so. I was in my 30s. Are you, what, you're in your 70s, aren't you? Uh, yes. 80s? Uh, just. Eight, all right, so you're 84. No, 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 not at all. You should not be driving, Peter. Oh, goodness gracious me. I tell you what, if you took away the idiots I see, I I drive three times a week from here to Hatfield and back to to play bowls. And if if you took away all the idiots I see on the motor A1M, uh, took, took the motors away, took... Took them off the road. Yeah. There'll be a vast amount of space for you to... So, so you could swerve all over the place, Peter, without worrying? I Look, my record is... I haven't been caught for speeding, have you? I haven't been caught, so you've done I haven't it. been caught for speeding, yeah. have you? Several times. I, I've got a, a free record from 1962. Wow, a free record. And I was don't, it the I don't like... And I don't like the people, actually, the police... People, P- take people. people when they're driving. They give them a twenty-five yard sight test. What? Right. Yes. They, they do from time to time. Yes. And if they say to that guy, hundred yards away, is that a blue car? We say yes, or whatever color. If twenty-five yards away. What if it's a green that's car? That's out of date. What if it's a green car and they say yes? Well, well yes, that's exactly the same. Well, a tw- green's the not the same as blue. Is, the side test is totally out of date. Peter, say hello to Philip. Philip? Who's Good Philip? Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I mean, how are you about roads? 
Well, I, I've never driven, actually. I, I, um, I, I worked in public transport, so I, I didn't ever buy a car. Oh, dear. So, um, you know, I did have a moped once, but, uh, you know. Yeah, well, modern rockers time. Yes, yes, you know, <laughs> yes, you know. It sounds a bit like it. Yeah, it was the Well, I had a DA once when, when the modern rockers were about, actually. Oh, yeah, down at Brighton, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, but, but, I mean, we, we lived our lives, we, we didn't bother anybody, really. Uh-huh. And today, yeah. today, it's a huge difference. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, right. it's not it's not so pleasant at all, really. No, no, no. I mean, I can't quite understand why we allow some of the horrible things that happen in this world to continue to happen. Can yeah. you? No, I can't understand it either. No, no, no not at all. No, 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 no. I mean, it's a bit ridiculous, really. It is, I agree, agree, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and what did you used to do for a living then? Well, as I say, I worked in public just, just straightforward public transport well, yeah, all the time. I, I spent 15 years. I was a bus conductor, and then I, for 23 years, I was what we call a, a ticket, a roving ticket inspector. You see. Well, that gives you your age, bus conductor. Goodness oh, yeah. gracious me! Oh yeah, it was, it was good fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've had a good time all my life, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, we, uh, we have. You know, I mean, we look back. We you had our lows, but you know, you know, we had our eyes as well. Oh yeah, of course we did. Of course we did. Yes, it's. it's it's interesting, you know, the people have a go and say, you know, who you talk going on again. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, we've asked well, well, it's funny because they, they, they think if they talk to some of the older people rather than pass them by, yeah. they would learn, they would get a bit of knowledge, really. Well, they did. I mean, yeah, I think they would find it. I mean, you know, when I'm showing you hear what people had to say, the older elder people, you know, experience, you know, it's interesting. Well, we're, we're, the, last, we're the last group, you know, that can all read and write. You realise that? Oh, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, and I know what you know what you're getting at. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know, you know. Anyway, it's great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Look after yourself. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello? Hello, Ian. Oh, Philip. Yeah, good morning. I'm, I'm sucking on a lollipop, Kojak style. Uh, Daily Express. Yeah. Um, there was a film back in 1961 called The Daily Earth Caught Fire. It oh. takes place in the offices of The Daily Express. Oh, yeah. It's just been re-released. They've oh. digitally remastered oh. it. And the premiere is going to be held in the courtyard of the British Museum oh. on August I the 28th. I think we're busy then. The when? Michael Caine. Yeah. It's one of the first films he was ever in. Have you seen the film Weird Science? No, it's one of them films that you always think, oh, I, I must see it. Oh, mate, no. I was watching it last night. I yeah. used to love that film. As a teenager growing up in the 80s, yeah. it did everything it needed to do. It was funny, it was naughty, yeah. it was rude, it was sexy, it was brilliant. And I watched it last night with... Yeah. Uh, Kath bought it for my birthday. Yeah. I watched it with slight trepidation, thinking this is going to be yeah. uh, a bit ropey. I was sat at home with a pizza on my lap, yeah. in my pants... I was in my pants. The pizza wasn't. It was towards the end. Yeah. Who's in it, Ian? Who's the stars? Uh, it's got Kelly LeBrock. Yes. It's got um, uh, someone, something Michael Hall. It's, um, uh, what, who's the, uh, John, John Hughes. John Hughes. He did all the oh, Brat yeah. Pack films. Yeah, because John, I mean, John Hughes made some, made some great films. Did you know? Rob Lowe's in it. A young Rob Lowe's in it as the, as, as one of the baddies. He's oh. brilliant, he's brilliant in it. Did and you... he's got really funny teeth. Yeah, did you know yeah. that John Hughes yeah. had a son, he's got a son, who was, who was a very good actor. Did you ever see Mercury Rising with Bruce Willis? 
no. The little boy is that the one where he's a singer? Oh, no, that's um, The Return of Bruno. Uh, uh, his, his son's called Michael Hughes. Oh. And he's, you've got to see Mercury Rising. Michael Hughes gives a great performance as a little boy who's autistic. Oh, blimey. Well, Philip, I shall, I shall check out those film recommendations at some point. Tonight, dear, dear listener, I think I'm watching The Breakfast Club. Well, uh, and I don't think I've ever seen The Breakfast Club. I, I, I suspect about ten minutes into it, I go, oh, well, maybe I have. I think I missed that one. I loved all those... I loved um, uh, uh, Weird Science. Pretty in Pink is the one for me. Molly Ringwald. Aye. It's not in that set, is it? Though? No, it's not. It's, I love that. Is it Sixteen Candles? Sixteen Candles, which I've definitely not seen. Uh, I like Heathers. Heathers is a good oh, film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't yeah, seen yeah. Heathers. Controversial. Oh, yeah. Controversial. Yeah. Controversial. Yeah. Uh, but it's good, Heathers. Uh, what other uh, uh, films from that... Bueller. Oh, Bueller's, Bueller's like the king. That's the best of all those movies. Well, I know War Games isn't necessarily a Brat Pack style, but War Games is a good, uh, good thing. Mm. Goonies. Have well, you ever seen Adventures in Babysitting? <gasps> I went to the cinema to see that. They changed it, didn't they? Yeah, they so changed... a night on the town. Yeah, why? I don't know. Well. Have you? That um, film introduced me to the music of Phil Spector because they play And Then He Kissed Me in it. Mm. No. Oh. Is the answer to the, Kelly's question. Thank you. Well, there we go. We came very close to talking about old kids' TV shows, but we didn't. We, we, we stayed just on the right side, but uh, well done, everybody. 08459 555 BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking rather slow moving at the moment on the Great North Road heading southbound at the Black Cat roundabouts. The M1 heading southbound looking rather slow moving on the speed sensors between Junction 11 Dunstable Road and Junction 10 for Luton Airport. The M25 heading anti-clockwise very slow moving at the moment between Junction 17 at Maple Cross and Junction 16 the M40. And the A1 Barnet Way looking heavy on camera heading southbound between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And in Chestnut Turner's Hill at the moment there's some emergency Repairs taking place just at College Road due to a burst water main. On the trains, no reported problems or delays. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. 7.45, Wednesday the 13th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The RAC says politicians should tackle motorists' bugbears like the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. The cost of clearing up illegally dumped rubbish in Hertfordshire reached half a million pounds last year. And in football, victories for Watford and Milton Keynes Dons take them through to the next round of the Capital One Cup. But Stevenage, Luton and Wickham are out. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a bright start across many places this morning. Have got a little bit of cloud out there, but it doesn't seem to be causing too many problems, not really interrupting uh, the brightness behind it. But yes, sunny spells really throughout the day. Maybe one or two showers developing for parts of Buckinghamshire later on this afternoon, but most of us should stay dry. Still got a bit of a breeze. It's less than yesterday. It reduced overnight, but it is still noticeable. But because it has reduced slightly, it's going to feel that little bit warmer. Maximum 21 Celsius later. Overnight, dry, clear spells. Temperature down between 12 and 14 Celsius. So quite a fresh start tomorrow. Similar to this morning, actually. Bright and sunny for Thursday to start with, but then those showers will develop. Some of them heavy, thundery, and perhaps a bit more frequent. Maximum temperature 20 Celsius. And that's your forecast. Saturday afternoons mean loads of live football here on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
And this weekend we'll bring you another four live games. Can he finish it? Yes, he can. Game over. In the Championship, Watford travel to Norwich. In League One, MK Dons are away to Peterborough. And it's 3-2, it's McFadden on his debut as well. And in League Two, Luton host AFC Wimbledon and Stevenage go to Southend. Stevenage's first goal of the season, well deserved as well. All four games live in Three County Sport. And it's Mark Cullen, it's a great goal from Luton Town. Saturday from two, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, if you want a, a, a giggle, go facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. You can see the uh, the new map put out by the Canal Trust of Berkhamsted. Yeah, it's good. It shows you, like, the pubs and the canal and the bridges and all of that, the locks and stuff like that. But it looks like, um, well, it looks like, um, it looks like a willy. Facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. Um, but is it deliberate or is there a kind of a way around it? I'm joined now by Louisa Keyworth, publishing manager for Maps International. Morning, Louisa. Good morning, Ian. Uh, you've seen the map. What do you make of it? Um, I think it's a very nice little map. Um, it's a shame about the, the uh, overall shape of it, shall we say, but obviously it's following uh, an important feature in Berkhamsted, which is the canal. Um, it shows all the information you'd want to know about it. It's just maybe somebody could have thought about what the final map was going to look like. They've done this deliberately, haven't they? Well, I suspect so. Because it, it, it's got, you know, they could have added a little bit at the, 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 the top and taken a little bit away at the sides and done all of those kinds of things. They could have done. They could have shown a wider area so that the, the linear feature wasn't quite so obvious. Uh, it, but, but apart from that, would you say this is a good map? Yes, I would. I mean, it's functional. It does exactly the purpose that you want it to do. It shows you the canal. It shows you the uh, the pubs and the features along it that you might want to visit. And it's a very nicely drawn map. It's just um, the shape of it is a little unusual. Do you, do you, do, are there any other examples of this in the world of maps where something looks a little <laughs> bit um, rude? Um, I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, certainly we've made maps that are unusual shapes, like they might be the shape of a hand for an advertising oh. campaign, or it may have to fit into a specific area, and therefore it has to be not a square shape. But I've never seen anything quite this shape. As, uh, listen, I'm fascinated by maps, and uh, it, uh, it, part of me thinks it's a great shame that, that maps in everyday use are dying out because of the superi- superiority of the sat-nav. What kind of maps are you the publishing manager for, Louisa? Oh, we make anything from atlases to tourist maps, leisure maps, walking and cycling maps. Um, We make maps for local authorities. We make maps of the world, maps of the UK. And there's still a big big demand for this, despite the fact that, you know, you can pull up a map on your phone now, can't you? Yes, you can, but it may not show all the features that you might particularly want to look at. And we're, we're still finding that people are very reliant on paper maps. And how, how do you do it, Louisa? Do you do it from Google Earth, or do you send out cartographers to go and measure stuff? Um, it's all done. We use open data mainly, open right. source data, so something from the OS or, or different sources. Or, um, yes, we're just using different map data that we can find. Um, and we're redrawing it to suit the purpose of the final map, so editing it and um, you know making it the area that's required. Louisa, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Louisa Keyworth, Publishing Manager for Maps International. Uh, Listen, I I, uh, salute the superiority of the satellite navigational system in cars. I'm old enough to remember um, uh, my mum and dad, my dad, 
Well, my dad would just guess where to go, actually. Dad would just guess. Mum would be the one with the book, the maps, and going, right, well, we need to go here, and we go here, and she'd write down instructions, and I would have to sit there and read them out to Dad. would just go, right, I think it's this way. Four hours later, we'd eventually arrive. He followed his homing signal. Yeah, and that was kind of more fun, I think, really. Just kind of, it's kind of fun. I remember when I first started out as a reporter, we used to use root maps, a uh, root finder. Do you remember that, when it first came out? It oh, was so, sort of a one to ten of, of instructions of oh, yeah, would print it, so, yeah. so I'd stick it on the visor of my, you know, the flap the, yeah. Yeah, of Steady. the car yes. and keep looking at it. But if you miss a step, you're completely lost. It was a yeah. rubbish system. Yeah. Thank goodness for sat-navs, because I haven't got any common sense when it comes to directions. No. I think, can I, I think, uh, the, generally, I'm generalising, it's not a statement of 100% fact that men have got a better homing instinct than women. Do you think, or they just um, don't admit it when they've been lost and um, find their way and say, oh, yeah, no. I always knew we were going this way? <laughs> There's an element of that, and there is an element of I know what I'm doing, and you think, I've got no idea where I am, and I'm hoping I get, a, get some kind of clue. But I think men are like um, homing pigeons. It's, kind of, it's, like a, it's like a magnet in the brain. That's how a homing pigeon works, isn't it? Very similar. Why are you smoking that lolly? <laughs> I've got, I've got, we've got lollipops here, and I'm just... Oh, I've lost patience of mine and finished <sighs> it. Men are better at driving home. Not better at driving, men are better... I can always at... find my way home. It's getting there. No, I'm much better at directions than my boyfriend. Well, OK, you're the exception that proves the rule. Thanks. You're welcome. All oh, right, so that's that sorted, then. Well, that's that sorted. Hmm. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. It's a, we, we, it's a real driving themed show today. Yes, who's the homing pigeon in your relationship? Me. Oh, what? No, that's the question. To the listen. Call me now. I need to. Um, uh, I really need to clean out my car. Right. It is full of rubbish at the moment. Uh, at the bottom of the the passenger footwell in my car, I was looking. There's um, uh, four Ginsters packets. There's half four. Nice. You think having had one, you go, yeah, there's a reason why I don't have these anymore. Oh, man, they're good stuff. Uh, there's half a sandwich. There's a couple of banana skins. There's the best of Paul McCartney CD, Sans Case. No idea where the case Gosh, is, you have dudes. no respect, you? Some 3D glasses. Um, and uh, just a, a parking ticket. Right. I've got a paddling pool in mine. What? Yep. How do you fit that in? Oh, it's uh, closed down. Oh, it's closed down. Yeah, there's no water in it. Okay. And uh, four sets of bat and ball and a tent. Under my bed, Hello. I've got a Cheeky. number of carrier bags. Just remember the text I sent you. It's fine. Of things I've cleared out from various cars over the years that I've never addressed, sorted out. Throw them in the bin. Well, it's like CDs. Um, in the bin. Post-it notes. In the bin. Really? In the bin. Put it all in the bin and anymore. feel better. You don't need them. How long have they been under your bed? Oh, for ages. Throw them in the bin, feel good. Clean it out, sister. Clean your soul. Today, I'm going to have a big clear out of my wardrobe. Oh, yeah, I did that yes, over the weekend. That's yes. cleansing, isn't it? Uh, Are you going to start with that shirt? No, don't say that. Whoa. Huh? What? Yeah, probably. I like that shirt. Why don't it's you less wear Chris it? Evans and Chris Addison. Oh, God. It's more Christine. Right, thanks very much. Well, that shirt's going to get thrown out today. Thanks, Kelly Betts. It's happening. Uh, shall we have a look at the front page of the newspapers? Uh, oh, gosh. It's a, the newspapers the last few days, they're all really, really depressing, aren't they? The, the Times. This is the lightest I can find. Majority of Britons feel threatened by terrorists. Ay. Hang on. Majority of Britons feel threatened by terrorists. The vast majority of Britons feel threatened by Islamic terrorism, according to a poll showing a jump in public support for the UK to join airstrikes. Hang on. But that's so. So that's. But that's. But hang on. That that statistic tells us nothing. Mm. Majority. Yeah, that of Britain's headline f- makes me a bit frightened. So, 
Yeah. Add one more. Eight out of ten people think that, that uh, it poses a domestic threat. These two figures are not related, I don't think. Eight out of ten people feel that Islamic terrorism poses a domestic f- threat. That's one. With 40% now wanting the government to launch bombing raids on ISIS. That's a separate... Th- I don't see the connection between the two, and yet they are within the same sentence. Oh. And you're right, this story is written to make us be afraid of Islamic terrorism. I'm not... I mean, I'm kind of... Uh, I wouldn't want it to happen, but I'm not... I don't feel threatened by it. It's a concern, but I don't walk around braced. The vast happening. majority of... Well, can I ask this question to you, dear listener? You may not, may not be one you, you go for, but the vast majority of Britons feel threatened by Islamic terrorism. Do you? 08459 I don't feel threatened by it. I, 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 in the back of my head, it's uh, like I'm, I'm aware of it. It's ever such a slight concern, but... I'm not th- I don't feel threatened. It crosses my mind in certain places. If I go on the tube, it crosses my mind. If I go oh, to an airport... Oh, it crosses my mind on the tube. Oh, yeah, it crosses... It's to the back of my mind. It crosses my mind. No. That's it. I don't... Uh, You're I don't, be, wouldn't say I'm frightened. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't cross my mind in the tube. Um, an, an airport, I think, is probably the safest place you could be. Well, that's what I tell myself. Just yeah. Just myself uh, thinking about it. Dear listener, do you feel threatened... By Islamic terrorism. I know it's not the kind of question we normally ask on this show, but it's just such a strange headline. I don't quite understand it. And I don't think... Does anyone really feel threatened? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. I was driving in London yesterday, and someone tweeted me this the other day, and I didn't quite understand it until I did the picture I sent you. Yes. I was driving down Regent Street in central London. It was very busy ridiculous place to be driving but I was anyway and I was stuck behind a bus and on the back of the bus was an advert for Decorum Borough Council but which one of its services well none of I've got let me look at I've got the picture I've got the um yeah and someone tweeted this to me the other day and I didn't really I didn't really take it in I was I was busy with something else um, and I saw it, it just reminded me. So, delve a bit deeper, discover what there is to enjoy on your doorstep. Decorum, I can't quite read the thing, looknofurther.co.uk forward slash uh, discover. So it's trying to encourage people out of London to be tourists in Decorum, is that right? Yeah, and there's a picture of a young girl with a mining helmet on. Oh. Why, why would Decorum... Advertise on the back of a London bus that's driving... It was route, it was route number 13. Driving through Regent Street. That seems an odd use of money, doesn't it? I wonder how much that costs. We'll ask. Shall we ask? Yeah. Let's ask them, because, hey, get, I, I'm guessing that, that um, advertising on the back of London buses... I'm aware that we've used advertising on the back of buses. But advertising on the back of London buses, I would imagine... We advertised around here where we were broadcasting. Uh, in London buses, I, I bet it costs a few quid. Mm. Maybe they got a deal, I don't know. It just seemed like an odd an odd thing to see. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Sorry, a couple of tangents there. I would like to know, do you feel threatened by Islamic terrorism? I would it says here the majority of Britons do. I would suggest not. I don't like it. I don't want it to happen. I know it does happen, but I don't feel I don't, I don't feel threatened by it. 08459 455 555. That and what annoys you about other drivers. And also on our driving special here on BBC Three Counties Radio. 100-year-old driver. It's in the Express in the mail today. Really? Come on, guys. That's too old, isn't it? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M1 heading southbound, rather slow moving, on the speed sensors between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and Junction 10 at Luton Airport. In Brickettwood, very slow moving on the North Orbital Road, just off the M25. The M25 itself looking very slow at the moment, heading anti-clockwise between Junction 18 at Chorleywood and Junction 16 for the M40. In Chessant, at the moment, there's restrictions in place on Turner's Hill, just at College Road. There's emergency repairs taking place there to a burst water main to do approach with care. So far, taking a look at the trains, everything's running well across the three counties. No problems or delays. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. I don't like delving down memory lane too much, but I've just been reminded of two excellent 80s films. Mannequin. Do you watch Mannequin? Oh, Mannequin's great. And of course, the great long-lost classic Weekend at Bernie's. Have you seen that? Bernie's dead and they have to pretend he's alive. It's wonderful. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. The RAC calls on politicians to tackle motorist concerns. Hertfordshire counts the cost of fly tipping and the Hollywood actress Lauren Bacall has died. BBC Three Counties Radio. Politicians are being called upon to do something about the problems faced by motorists. In a survey by the RAC, the cost of fuel, the state of the roads and poor parking facilities drop the issues drivers have to deal with. Technical Director of the Motoring Organisation, David Bisley, told Ian Lee illegal behaviour is also a worry. Increasingly, people are expressing concerns to us about uh, the illegal behaviour of the minority of drivers, particularly on things like using handheld phones while driving. Around half a million pounds was spent in Hertfordshire last year clearing up fly tipping. There were more than a thousand incidents dealt with in a decorum area alone. Brian Finnerty from the Hertfordshire National Farmers Union says when rubbish is dumped on their land, they're the ones who have to pay to get it removed. We do find that it does vary across the country, but some local authorities are very good at investigating these sorts of incidents. Um, as you can imagine, it's quite time-consuming. You have to do a lot of investigation. But there have been some prosecutions. Sadly, not enough. It is, it is a big problem in the countryside. It affects about two-thirds of our members, and it's a problem they have to deal with. Around a third of head teachers in England are to publish their own league tables, which they say will give parents more information about their schools than that are published by the government. The tables are expected to cover GCSE results as well as the curriculum, class sizes and other information. The centre-left think tank, the IPPR, is warning of a big mismatch between the qualifications young people achieve and the jobs available for them. It's calling for every secondary school to appoint a full-time careers officer. Firefighters were called to a house on fire in St Albans last night. A woman was led to safety and two men were treated for breathing in smoke in Park Street. One of Hollywood's great leading ladies, Lauren Bacall, has died at the age of 89. She became famous because of her first movie scene in To Have and Have Not, opposite Humphrey Bogart, whom she later went on to marry. The entertainment journalist, Jeannie Wolfe, met her and says she wasn't like most of the characters she played. I kind of bought into the fact that she would be as cool and intimidating as she was on the screen. When you met her, at first she was a little bit intimidating, and then you found out she was abroad. She was a lot of fun, very direct, very opinionated, very lusty, just a great woman.
And in last night's football, Watford are through to the second round of the Capital One Cup after beating Stevenage 1-0. Also through are the Milton Keynes Dons with a 3-1 victory over AFC Wimbledon. But both Luton Town and Wickham Wanderers are out, losing to Swindon and Millwall. The weather, a dry day with good sunny spells, just the odd shower, temperatures up to 21 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Lovely community here and that, that's that's the strongest thing. It's all about where you live. Got the Bluebell Woods, which is about five, ten minutes away from here. All this week, we're featuring Flamstead and Markiate. It's a very tight-knit family community and draws people in. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've not seen a weekend at Bernie's, man, it's fantastic. It's got that fella in it. Um, who's that fella? I think he's the same guy that's in Mannequin. Who's that fella? Andrew McCarthy. Is that him? Sounds uh, yeah, Andrew McCarthy. Where? He, oh, he popped up recently in a TV series, didn't he? Um, um, it was a new Sex in the City. It was. Um, um, my wife watched it. It was. Um, um, rubbish. It was about... Was it girls? New girl? No. Um, it wasn't... No. Girls is funny, isn't it? Don't know. Not so oh. Anyway, he's in Weekend at Bernie's. And I'm reminded there is a Weekend at Bernie's 2. Well, the premise of a Weekend at Bernie's is that Bernie is dead, and these uh, kids, uh, including, um, what was his name? Andrew McCarthy. Pretend that he's alive so they can throw a party at his mansion. It's a cracking film. It's a cracking film. Right, lots coming up on the show this morning. It's kind of a motoring special, but don't switch off. We can make that good, guys. We're talking about moaning motorists, manly maps, and a 100-year-old driver. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to have a laugh, facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CI. It's a map of the Berkhamsted, well, the waterways and some of the pubs and, and, and the tourist attractions. It's been designed to look like... Um, uh, uh, um, plums and a sausage. It, it has, hasn't it? I, I'm trying to think of a delicate way to phrase it. It's been designed to look like a men's parts. It certainly looks as if it would be very difficult not to see that. They've obviously, they've done it deliberately. There's no, you know, if you look at the detail... Oh, follow my own advice, and I, I, I can't not... If you look at the detail at, um, at the right-hand side of it, that near end... Near the bridge. Near the bridge. I mean... That's deliberate, isn't it? There's an arrow coming out of it. Pointing to Hemel Hempstead. Pointing to Hemel Hempstead. It's deliberate. It's facebook.com forward slash BBC 3 It's a work of genius. Whoever did that, I hope he was, hi- he was given high fives around the office <laughs> and, uh, and donuts and bought, a, bought a, a, an extra large latte or something because it's a work of genius. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, also, I just kind of threw this out there and it's not the sort of thing we normally do on the show but it struck me, uh, the front page of the Times, majority of Britons feel threatened by terrorists. And then underneath, support grows for airstrikes in Iraq. I don't quite see the connection. But anyway, the vast majority of Britons feel threatened by Islamic terrorism. 
Eight out of ten people think that Islamic terrorism poses a domestic threat. Am I missing something? Are they speaking specifically about what's happening in Iraq? Or are they just talking about Islamic terrorism in general? Because I don't... I don't feel it. I don't get it. I don't feel threatened or particularly frightened by it. If you want to have your say, 08459... Uh, four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call on that or you can also send me an email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk other things on the front page of the well a lot of them have, uh, are carrying on the robin williams uh, story uh, we'll go to that in a second raymond's on the line morning raymond morning ian are you, are you feeling threatened by islamic terrorism definitely not no but, no. but you're, you're, we're in the minority, then, according to the front page of The Times. Well, The Times is talking out of its rear end, obviously, but, uh, it, you know, it's ridiculous, totally ridiculous. How can the UK be taken over by terrorists? I mean, this has been running, this has been Tony Blair's line since, you know, the invasion of Iraq, and, and, and yet we still seem to be following that through. It's nonsense. There, there have been terrorist uh, atrocities in Britain and in Europe uh, over the years yeah. that, that have been, uh, you know, uh, allegedly done in the name of Islam. How do those atrocities compare to the atrocities that are happening in the Middle East? Please tell me. Are we doing a calculation like the Israelis do? You know, one Israeli life against the hundred people who... Well, you, 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 you seem to have just made that comparison yourself by, by, by trying to compare what's happening. I don't quite understand your point on comparing, with, you know, the, the, what's well, happening my, in this my, country no, to what's my, happening. My point is, is quite simple, actually. My point is this, is that in terms of terrorism, OK, the, what the papers and the politicians seem to be doing, you know, they seem to be putting Islam in a corner and saying Islam equates to terrorism. That is not the case. I don't see that from this story. What do you see from this story? I say I, I see uh, they're putting Islamic terrorism into a corner, which is different from Islam. Islamic terrorism. Really? You think that uh, they're putting it in such a way? It says here Islamic terrorism. It doesn't say it doesn't say the vast majority of Britons feel threatened by Islam. It says the vast majority of Britons feel threatened by Islamic terrorism. Well, it's rather nuanced then in the way that they've put it because it, there are many people across the UK yeah. who can't differentiate between Islamic terrorism, quote the Times, as opposed to Islam. Well, those people are idiots then. Well, they may be idiots, but you know what? There are many people in the UK that can't read and write. Some people would say they're idiots. I wouldn't say they're idiots. Well, there you go. So, well, well no, I don't, you, I don't understand the point you've just made, Raymond. Well, I understand the point. I know I'm you sure don't. there are many people out there that Possibly they are. The Maybe point. I'm being stupid this morning. Try and explain the point you've just made. Well, the point I'm just making is that it's quite easy for the times to conflagrate, OK, put together... Yeah. Islam and Islamic terrorism. Well, the terrorist so acts people... they're referring to are Islamic terrorist acts. Are we sure? Yeah, because that's what it says. The, well, the, 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 it, because the Times says it, does it make it real? Does it make it true? Uh, Raymond, listen, I'm going to have to go, only because I've got, I've got a guest coming up, but... but no, uh, that's fair enough. I, I, I appreciate your time, and maybe we can talk on this again. OK. Thank you, Raymond. 08459 555 is the phone number. 
I, I, could, I could have spoken to Raymond all morning, but I've got a guest on the line, so I, I, I need to move on. It would be rude not to. Motorists want more traffic police cracking down on dodgy driving, according to a new campaign by the RAC. They're calling on politicians to address the things that annoy most motorists, and the feeling that roads have become a bit of a free-for-all is right up there. But should we be careful what we wish for? It could mean more of us relying on the services of people like lawyer Nick Freeman, known as Mr Loophole, an expert at getting people out of hot water with traffic cops. Morning, Nick. Good morning, Ian. Police handing out more fines. Is that is that the answer, really? I don't I don't think it's the answer. Um, we're talking really about lane hogging uh, and tailgating, which were new offences that were brought in about a year ago. And I must say, I haven't noticed any increase whatsoever. I haven't, I haven't had a client in the last twelve months who's been prosecuted for tailgating or lane hogging. Yeah, that was a weird so there was one. A huge furore at the time. There was because uh, I, I, the, the, the lane hoggers are a big bugbear of mine. But I, I don't know anybody. No one has called in and said they've been done for it. It seems to just be ignored. Well, I see hundreds and hundreds of driving licences every year, and I haven't seen one endorsement reflecting that offence. Of course, if people, there was no need to bring in any new legislation. I think it's totally ineffective. I don't think it's been enforced. Uh, I think occasionally we see signs on gantries advising people not to lane hog. I think most people don't even know what lane hogging is, mm. as um, the road traffic safety minister, Stephen Hammond, didn't last year on your programme. Mm. Uh, I think we need to educate motorists. Uh, and we do need a, a high visibility of police on the road to ensure that people drive properly because our roads are congested. And if nobody used the near side lane, then everyone's forced into the other two lanes and there simply isn't enough place. Oh. And the other problem, of course, at the moment is we have uh, stretches of motorway which are subject to a 50 mile an hour limit and the lanes are very narrow. Um, so, of course, you inevitably tailgate and you inevitably lane hog. Uh, there's nowhere else to go and it's particularly dangerous. So it's it's slightly perverse when the government talk about these two offences and then forces into actually committing them. So there's a whole host of problems surrounding this issue. And phone, mobile phone use. Again, another thing, you can get points, you can get a fine, but if, I bet if people are in their cars now, if they look to their left or their right, they, the odds are they'll see someone on their mobile phone. Of course they will. Um, first of all, the penalty is, is nothing like the deterrent it needs to be. Uh, if you want to seriously deter people, you, ne- you need to consider, I'm afraid, imposing a level of a period of disqualification. Bearing in mind, legal use of a mobile phone has a higher level of distraction than drink driving. And of course, there are literally no police on the roads. We're relying on ro- robotic policing, cameras everywhere. So they don't pick up these sort of offences. All they'll pick up is if you're going too quickly. Um, and, and we need we need a police interaction with the public on the roads, and we need mass education because I think most people now, a lot of people really just don't know how to drive. They don't understand that the middle lane is for overtaking, and when you come up behind someone, you flash them and indicate. They don't understand what you're talking about, and they get upset and they get intimidated. So you have to be very careful how you deal with them. Are the RAC? Uh, why are they doing this? Are they doing it just for a little bit of publicity, or do you think that their their intention to help is genuine and true? No, I don't think, I think they're absolutely right to highlight this issue. The the government a year ago said, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. This government pays lip service to most of the problems in this country, including terrorism, as your last caller (laughs) was was dealing with. Um, It doesn't actually do anything about it. It, 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 You'll have a headline in a newspaper, this is what we're going to do. But when you look at the minutiae, as for these road traffic provisions, the legislation is already already there. We have an offence, for example, of driving with out reasonable consideration for other road users. That deals with lane hogging. No one is ever, ever prosecuted for it. Why not? 
Why do we need new legislation? And that legislation carries between three and nine points yeah. and a period of disqualification. And what the government has said is, I tell you what, we'll give you three points and a £100 fine. So it's decriminalising it and it's not enforcing it. Is so it, how does that work? Is it, is it just down to education? Surely most people know that driving in the middle lane at 65 miles an hour is a ridiculous thing to do. Yet they still well, do you'd it. You'd like to think so. Well, you'd like to think so. As you yeah. say, many motorists might not be too bright. I'm sure that's not the case. I just, I really believe now, we, we of course have m- many, many people from overseas living in this country. They have different driving tests. They've been brought up in a different way. And they genuinely don't understand what you're talking about. Uh, and unfortunately, that the fact is, and it's been going on for a long, long time, people sit in that middle lane at 65, 70 miles an hour, they might even sit in the outside lane at 65, 70 miles an hour, and the other two lanes might be clear, and they will not move over. Mm. And, and then what does somebody do? Does he go along the near side? Does he go along the middle lane? Of course, he then runs the risk of being prosecuted for dangerous driving. Nick, nice to talk to you. Thank you. That's lawyer Nick Freeman, known as Mr Loophole. Give us your, your irritations, please, when it comes to other drivers. Middle lane hoggers. I'll see it on the way home today. I see it when I'm coming in at quarter past four, half past four in the morning. For goodness sakes. 08459 four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In a Roxton, rather slow moving on the Great North Road, um, just at the Black Cat roundabouts. The M1's looking very heavy on the speed sensors between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and Junction 9 at Redbourne. The M25 heading anti-clockwise, very slow moving between Junction 28 for the Brook Street roundabout and Junction 24 for Potter's Bar. And in Chessent, uh, there's a burst water main at the moment on Turner's Hill, just at College Road. Some recovery works now taking place. And take a look at the M25, also slow between Junction 18 at Chorleywood and Junction 16 for the M40. Looking at the departure boards for the trains, everything's running well across the three counties. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Nicola. 8.16. It's Wednesday the 13th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The RAC is calling on politicians to do something about issues like the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. Fly tipping in Hertfordshire is costing half a million pounds a year to clear up. And in football, the Capital One Cup. Uh, in the Capital One Cup, there were victories for Watford and the MK Dons, but Stevenage, Luton, and Wickham are out of the competition. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts, and bucks. Lovely community here, and that, that's that's the strongest thing. Inviting everyone to where you live. Oh, it's lovely. It's a really friendly um, community. All this week, we're featuring Flamstead and Markiate. It's friendly, nice, quiet village. Great place to bring up your children. Never walk out the door without seeing people that you know and saying hi. If you've got a story everyone should hear about, let us tell them about it. Got the Bluebell Woods, which is about five, ten minutes away from here. You can get a, a, a Queen councillor talking to a plumber on exactly the same level. Friendly, because everyone kind of knows each other, because it's really small. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks from BBC Three Counties Radio. He's here. What is that about? I don't get it. What's it for? If you do this for another three minutes, we can release this as a record. (laughs) 
It's uh, <laughs> JVS Blues. Yes. It's just a, a, one of the kinks tweeted me today, and I got very excited. So Did I'm in, you? I'm in a kinky kind of mood. Oh, right, OK. Yes, I'm in a kinky kind of mood. I like your shirt today. Thank you. You know we were discussing the other day that you're, you're good with checks. Yes. Well, I think, actually, flowers... Flowery top. I, this is a little bit. Listen, I bought this for a TV job. It turned out it didn't work on television. It it um, strobed. Yes, t- too much. It's too much. Uh, and I wouldn't normally. I bought it with another person's dollar. I wouldn't normally wear it. It was the only thing that was was ironed. It makes me feel a little Stuart McConey stroke, stroke Chris Evans. Oh yes, so not, it is I'm a not little convinced. bit. I'm, I feel slightly uncomfortable. Slash my nan. Now that's nice. Now that I quite like. <laughs> I can have that. <laughs> Kelly's open mouthed in the other. There studio. was a great, uh, great picture on Twitter posted by Kim Kardashian, who I don't really oh. know what she is. She's got the most enormous bottom. Good for her. Um, and it's fair play. It was kind of a self awareness. It was a picture of her in a floral outfit, and also a picture of Miss. I think Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, in a very, very similar outfit. And it was it was something like, I think I carry this off better, rest in peace, Robin Williams. I thought that was a nice little... Uh, yes. A nice little bizarre twist. So is th- this shirt is actually... This is my tribute. Y- your tribute to Robin Williams. To Robin Williams. As Mrs. Doubtfire. I've not seen Mrs. Doubtfire. Have you not seen no, it? Oh, it's not. a wonderful film. Yeah, there's a few I'm going to have to check out, I think, now. Yeah, there's a few Robin Williams films I shall have to check that out. That one's a good one. Yeah. Oh, there's some rubbish. Let, let's, bef- you know, there, there's a little bit of hagiography going on yesterday. Flood Jumanji and some other, you know, Arvid, there are some rubbish films. The later ones, I think, as we're perhaps learning, were done for the money. Uh, but there's some brilliant stuff, some brilliant stuff. Yes. The World According to Garp, there's a film, one of his early ones. There's I haven't seen that. And Popeye, I love Popeye. No one else likes it, I think it's... I've not seen that either. I haven't seen a lot of things. You don't, you don't really see things, do you? Popular culture no. and me don't really mix. No, never mind. I get time. bored of films really? and fall asleep. Wow. But Mrs. Doubtfire was excellent. <laughs> I can imagine you having a couple of episodes of Keeping Up Appearances as, like, yes. B-movies. Yes. And then Mrs. Doubtfire is the main feature. Yes, that's... Yes. that. Now the night's rocking. While, while, while tucking into a big bargain family bucket of KFC. I've never been in a KFC. Oh, that surprises I've me. I've never in my entire life had a KFC. Go and have a family bucket. Treat yourself. What's on your show this morning? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, does Britain have a moral obligation to send troops to Iraq? One of Britain's most respected commanders has compared the massacre in Iraq with the genocides carried out by dictators like Joseph Stalin, and he says that we have a moral obligation to intervene. Colonel Tim Collins says British politicians have left for lunch and he's urged David Cameron to recall Parliament. In an interview with The Telegraph today, Colonel Collins warns that ancient civilizations will be extinguished unless Britain joins airstrikes, provides arms to the Kurds, and puts troops on the ground Mm. to train the army. A Comrades poll has found that whilst some British people support airstrikes, most were against putting boots on the ground. But where do you stand? I want you to pick up that phone this morning and let me know. When we first talked about this at the end of last week, Mm. um, it was all just kind of kicking off, wasn't it? Yeah. We've now had several days to digest this news and to see exactly what's going on. And it would appear that the help that is necessary is far greater than was first anticipated. You know, yes. the Americans are talking about um, doing far more than they were last, last week. So is it now time for us to get involved as well? Do you think Britain has a moral obligation to send troops to Iraq? Um, one of the points that was coming out when we first talked about this last week was that ultimately 
we started it. Yep. Some people were saying, we invaded Iraq, we destabilised the country in, in an effort to remove Saddam Hussein. What we've done is we've now left the country very weak, yep. and that's why it's all happening. So we have a moral obligation to those people in Iraq who don't want to be killed or mm. beheaded or chased from their hou- They're houses. They're being crucified and children are being, excuse me, cut in half. It is absolutely it's horrendous. It's evil what's going on. And if people feel that we in some way are to blame for it, for destabilising yeah. the country, then do we have a moral obligation? Not just to sit back and say, oh, no, 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 we don't get involved in war anymore. We don't do anything like that. We, we you know, but that was back in the bad old days under mm. Tony Blair, but now we don't get involved in wars. Or do we have a moral obligation to go over there and help those people Mm. your views on the big phone in this morning from nine does britain have a moral obligation to send troops to iraq call me 08459 455 555 across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio The big tour. The big tour, Kelly. The big tour. The big tour, Catherine. Woo, the big tour. Yeah, woo, the big tour indeed. Well, the big tour has arrived in Flamstead and Markgate, and one of the things that people were really keen to speak to Gary Floyd about was fly tipping. Apparently, the country lanes in the area have become a dumping ground for all sorts over the years, and the problem seems to be getting worse. So much so that one farmer, Bill Barr, has installed CCTV cameras in a bid to catch the culprits. He wants people to be more careful who they trust to get rid of their junk. When they employ somebody to remove their rubbish, make sure that they have a waste licence, because that will hopefully get rid of the, the rogues that are doing this tipping. And uh, don't just think, oh, well, I've given them £100, my rubbish is gone, the job's finished. Because if we find the evidence that comes back to you, the householder, you're the one responsible. The other really annoying thing is when they tip in our gateways, and it's normally asbestos or tyres, then I, as the farmer, as the landowner, is responsible. Well, Chris Troy joins me now from Decorum Borough Council's Regulatory Service Department. Morning, Chris. Good morning, Ian. How serious a problem is fly tipping for your council? Uh, well, you just spoke to Bill Barr, and he mentioned about uh, you know, the problems that he has. Um, certainly, um, you know, it is, a, it, is a, it is a problem in, in, in many authorities. I don't think Decorum is any more unique than anywhere else. Um, but certainly we do get a number of fly tipping incidents. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier, thousands thousands a year, but we need to differentiate between maybe, you know, small bags of rubbish and what we would call call actual fly tipping, which is obviously, you know, house clear out and that type of rubbish. It must be very frustrating because you've got to pay to go and clear it all up when it's done on council land. That's right. And uh, he he mentioned, I heard him mention about uh, the types of stuff that you might get in um, waste and asbestos is a problem, for example, and other hazardous waste. And if it's electrical stuff in there, you know, we can't dispose of that. It has to be uh, taken to special sites and that's a cost to the council. So it can be very expensive. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when we have complaints, when we have complaints of flight tipping, we take that very seriously. Um, we have an environment health enforcement team that will visit, assess each report of flight tipping within the borough. Um, we then try and gather the evidence to identify the source of the waste. Um, we look at the vehicles involved and uh, we also look for witnesses. Um, Are there many prosecutions, Chris? Okay, well, we, we, we recently I think you'll be aware that we, we, we prosecuted uh, a, a person uh, for dumping waste in uh, Hudnall Common, um, and uh, that was a fine uh, £180. Uh, it had cost on top of that over £300. So we've had one, one fine recently. We've got five pending, so that gives you some idea. 
idea, um, and that is in the areas that you've just mentioned as well. It's hard, I, 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 can un- I can understand it's hard work to, to track these people. It, 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 are you just scratching the tip of the iceberg? Because in the year to March, it cost £50,000 in enforcement and, and close to £100,000 in collecting the rubbish. Well, we, we, we employ a number of strategies. So, we, you know, as I say, we do, we do take fly sipping seriously. Um, I mean, one of the key things for us is also, um, you know, we, we have various approaches to this. Is because it can be an educational approach as well. We need to educate householders, as I think Bill Barr mentioned. Yeah. Um, Householders need to be educated that they need to check the people that they're using um, when they're doing a house clear, clearance. They need to check that, uh, you know, ha- are they licensed? Because oh, yeah. If, if, a fella turns up, license. if a fella turns up with a truck and says, I can get rid of your rubbish for 20 quid, it, he's probably not licensed. That's right. And I should say to you as well, 80% of all flight tip, all, all flight tips are, are domestic. So between about 80% is domestic, just the 20% is commercial. So um, there, there is an educational sort of aspect to this. Um, you know, the people, you know, people picking up, you know, or employing people to pick up rubbish from their houses need to ensure that they're bona fide. And the other thing I should say is that we do have powers to prosecute the householder. Mm. So they are under a duty as well. This is under duty of waste regulation. So um, it says Section 33, uh, Environment Protection Act, duty of care. Um, so they need to be careful because they could be culpable as well. And, how, and what I would say to you is that, you know, we haven't taken any actions against householders because um, we found in our, in the instances that we've investigated, the householders have very helpful when they realise that the person has taken their rubbish away. Um, they, they may have done it unwittingly. Um, they've helped us, and sometimes we get details of the vehicle and various other things. Um, and they've actually been our witnesses. So when we've actually mm. taken action, um, you know, they've been our witnesses. I should say as well. Don't forget, we're talking about prosecutions. Obviously, we issue cautions as well. Um, there's, you know, there's various approaches to, to enforcement action um, from fixed penalty notices, cautions, and prosecution as well. So you know, just to let you know, you know, we. We probably get uh, five to thirty <clears throat> reports a day, well, um, and we've done about twenty pace interviews a year. Well, good for you. It's one of those things that uh, it, it's so unnecessary, and it ruins—you know—it ruins great, beautiful areas. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, as I say, we have an environmental environmental health enforcement team, um, and their their sole job is actually, you know, trying to find culprits to, to, to you know, obviously to, to take action against. Chris, you, keep you know. fighting the good fight. Well done. It sounds like you're doing a good job battling against a lot of idiots who think it's acceptable to dump a load of rubbish in country lanes and in on the edges of farms and wherever really it's awful chris troy from uh, decorum borough council's regulatory service department thank you very much indeed talking about annoying driving habits let's just quickly do uh, an email from peter uh, people who came who come to a complete stop at roundabouts when there is nothing coming oh pete no i'm going to read this next sentence these people can be broadly described as women <gasps> no. Pete. For balance, from a survey recently conducted by me. People who dazzle you with fog lights in the rain, middle-aged men or older, honest, it's true. Next time some plank dazzles you with fog lights in the rain, look, and I bet you it's a 40-plus bloke. OK, he's had a go, go at both genders there, so that's, that's good. Listen to me wheezing. I know. I need to stop smoking. No, hang on, I need to start smoking no. and then stop smoking. You need to have never smoked. Ah. Too late. Too late. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M1 heading southbound on the sensors, rather slow moving between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and Junction 9 for Redbourne. The M25 heading anti-clockwise on camera, very heavy moving between Junction 17 at Maple Cross and Junction 15, the M4. In Watford, Exchange Road's looking quite slow at the moment, just around Upton Road. And in Chessent, at the moment on Turner's Hill, there's some recovery work taking place. Just at College Road, um, there's a burst water main to approach that with care. The A1 Watford Way's looking heavy between Selvage Lane and the Broadway. So far on the trains, everything's running to time. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, I'm Jane Killick. The RAC is calling on political parties of all hues to address what it calls the motorist agenda. Among the concerns are the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. Around half a million pounds was spent in Hertfordshire last year, clearing up fly-tipping. There were more than a 1,000 incidents dealt with in the decorum area alone. The actress Lauren Bacall has died at the age of 89. She was best known for her roles opposite Humphrey Bogart. He went on to marry her. The weather, bright or sunny spells and the odd shower. On to sport and in football, Watford are through to the second round of the Capital One Cup after beating Stevenage 1-0 last night. Lloyd Dyer scored the goal. Goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain was pleased with his side's performance. It was nice to see some of the other lads come in and you know have, have a chance. And um, you know, half time we were disappointed, obviously, um, that we'd let the game slip away a little bit. But um, certainly in the second half, I think the, the lads stepped up again. Milton Keynes Dons are also through after they beat AFC Wimbledon 3-1. Carl McFadzian, Daniel Powell and Benick Afobi scored the Dons goals. Manager Carl Robinson felt his players were focused. I didn't want it to be a, a, a sort of a crash-bang wallop affair. I wanted it to be, a, I said to the players, my message at half-time again was, play with your heads, not your heart. I know your heart's in it, I know you care, but play with your heads and try and play in the way that you want to play and hopefully that'll be standing in good stead. Luton Town were knocked out of the Capital One Cup after losing 2-1 at home to Swindon. Luke Rooney was sent off in the second half for diving. Manager John Still was pleased with the new formation. Now we, 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 We've learnt a little bit today about how to play the system and um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep working on it. Um, it's not one that we'll play regular, but there will be games when we need to play it, so I just want to make sure that we, we're up to speed with it. Wickham Wanderers were also knocked out. They lost 1-0 away at Millwall. Manager Gareth Ainsworth felt his size caused problems. Although they went to 10 men, um, I, I still thought we kept the pressure on, we kept the bar high, we did what's asked of us in training and we played some great stuff as well. So the signs are all there and, and the bar that they've set, the, the standards they've set, I want them to keep and I want them to keep them all season to stay far away from anything that happened last year to, uh, to come back and haunt us. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next bulletin is at nine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. 455 is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. Uh, this morning we're talking... Well, it's kind of a driving special, really. We're talking about bad drivers. We're talking about annoying driving habits, things that get on your wit. We're also asking... Uh, it's, it's not a kind of question we normally ask on this show, but we got a good call out of it from Raymond. Front page of the Times, majority of Britons feel threatened by terrorists. The vast majority of Britons feel threatened by Islamic terrorism, according to a poll showing a jump in public support for the UK to join airstrikes. 
The vast majority of Britons feel threatened by Islamic terrorism. Do you? Do you feel threatened by Islamic terrorism? Threatened by it? I mean, I'm aware of it. I wouldn't like it to happen. I don't feel threatened. I feel, I feel, I feel pretty safe. I feel in this country we're the safest we've been for a while. Am I naive to think that? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. Well, we're joined on the line now by Gary Sanderson. Good morning, Gary. Good morning to you. For those who don't know who you are, uh, you're the East of England Ambulance Paramedic and Press Officer, and you basically you come on the show uh, whenever we ask you to come on. If there's if there's a story, good or indeed bad. Um, you come on and let us know what's going on, don't you? That's correct, yep. What's going on with you, Gary? You're quitting? Yes, today is my last uh, shift ever after 31 years continuous NHS service. You, you know. lightweight, Gary! You coward! <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's going to be an emotional day, but, you know, 31 years, hanging up the stethoscope and the camera, uh, it's a quite... A remarkable achievement. So you, I think. You've been doing this for thirty years, and listen, you're, you're you're one of the good guys, and we know that you get in touch with us if, if there's a big accident on the motorway or something, and you let us know what's going on, and you always keep us informed. So, what, what, why are you? Why are you after thirty years? Are you are you hanging up your jacket? I always said when I started that uh, the NHS that you know, I wanted to go when I was fifty years old. You know, I've done my time. I've been. You know, my eyes have seen and done everything in this job. Oh, it's, I bet, it's, yeah. been ab- it's been absolutely amazing. It's opened lots of doors to me, and it's uh, memories I'll you know I'll never forget. It's been totally amazing. So what? Hang on. What What are you going to do? Are you going to sit at home watching Jeremy Kyle, or have you got things planned? Um, my wife's got lots of things planned for oh. me. You know, I'm still going to be out and about. You know, you know, popping in to see the crews. It's going to be very weird today doing my last nine on nine call. I must admit. Yeah. But, you know, I want to thank the public that I've served over the years, my you know, colleagues in operations control, volunteers, the support staff have been brilliant, absolutely amazing. So, but you, you've, not got any, you've not got another gig lined up or anything? You are going to... You're, you're retiring? I, I am retiring, wow. yes. How, how are you going to cope with that? Is that not going to be... Uh, I imagine for the first few weeks that would be awesome, just sitting at home doing what you want to do, going out. Uh, but you, I, we know that you're a kind of very busy, hands-on kind of guy. How do you think you'll cope with that? That's going to be the hard part, you know. Next week I'll be sitting at home and there'll be a major incident somewhere, and I think, you know, I should be there. So that's that's what I do. But unfortunately, I won't be. You know, someone else will have to take the rain now. Well, listen, Gary. Uh, I'm sure anybody you want to thank or say goodbye to or anything. Well, I just want to thank your team. You know, you've been amazing support over the years. The public, you know, the communities, you know, they've been brilliant. You know, I've seen some bad times and seen some really good times. So, no, just thank everyone I've met over my career. It's been amazing. Gary, listen, we appreciate uh, all the help that you've offered us over the time, and I wish you the very best of luck with uh, with the future. Thank you very much, Ian. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Thank you very much indeed. Well, there you go. That That's one of the good guys stepping down. Retiring at 50... Do you know what? I'd be up for a bit of that. I, I, I would... I, I, well, how am I now? 41. I'd happily retire at 43. Seriously, if I could, I'd, I'd retire next week if I could. I've got a week off, but that's not necessarily retiring. Although, I will enjoy it. I will enjoy it. I'm going to be sitting at home doing nothing for a week. Watching videos, playing Xbox, reading books, and dozing whenever I want to. That's what I'm doing next week, guys. And I, I think I could do that for the next... 40 years, quite happily, and get away with it? I think I could. 
08459 is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. We're talking uh, about old drivers as well. Brian's in High Wycombe. Morning, Brian. Morning. Yeah, now, you're, you're an 80-year-old driver. Yeah. You any good? Well, I'm confident. I've driven half a million miles. and Gosh, uh, you must be tired. Pardon? You, you must be tired. It's a joke, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's that was small uh, one not this, this weekend. Yes. Um, no, I just drove down to Western Supermare and um, there was only one case, really, of road hogging, which put me in a quandary because I was... Uh, the inside lane was clear. Yes. So I was driving along and... Uh, Came alongside. Now, what do I do? Do I just gradually increase my, well, maintain my speed and carry on at 70 miles an hour on the inside lane? Or is that breaking the law? Well, uh, yeah, um, uh, um, uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because obviously you're not supposed to undertake. Uh, I, <laughs> would, I would suggest that you were probably in the right, though. Yeah, I just carried on. To do that. I just carried on, and I said to my wife, um, we do share the driving, by the way, although... How old is she? ...much opportunity. She's seven years younger than me. Oh, I s- naughty, Brian. Cheeky. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but driving, you know, I, there wasn't much opportunity of uh, uh, coming off the motorway. We just, I just kept on driving. It was four hours, which was two hours, really. I would, uh, you know, I feel that's long enough for me. But, yeah. Uh, it was a traffic jam at Bristol, as usual. There we but, go. Yeah, but do you feel do you feel safe driving, Brian? Are your reflexes, your responses, is your eyesight as good as when you were twenty three? Oh uh, yeah, I've been che- I haven't been checked. I've got yeah. glasses, but it's marginal whether I need them or not for short sight. And your long, reflexes, so. if a squirrel or this happened to me the other morning, I was driving in, leaving my house, quarter past four in the morning, a hedgehog ran out in front of me. I did an emergency stop. I love an emergency stop. Could you do an emergency stop if a hedgehog ran out in front of you? <laughs> well, when I did my test, I almost put the inspector through the window, but oh. um, I, I can. I drive accordingly. And, okay. Uh, Yes, in answer to you, uh, I let my grandson drive sometimes, ah. and uh, I criticise him for driving too fast in residential streets. Good for you. But uh, his reaction—he, I feel very confident with him. He's a fairly, relatively new driver, but he's um, his reaction. I wouldn't drive the way he drives. I drive accordingly to, uh, but safely. And the one thing that uh, really misses the point that worries me on a motorway is how does one possibly drive keep to a safe driving speed at 70 miles an hour two chevrons apart ah yes the chevrons the old Um, right listen i'm going to move on but thank you very much uh for that one of the weird things is this a bloke thing catherine i think it's an i i think it's a a middle-aged man thing yeah I remember my, my dad and my uncles doing this when I was a kid, and I do it a bit now. When you go and visit someone, the, the, the bloke says to the bloke, what was the journey like? Ah, you know, it was all right. The M25 was a little bit packed up, but once we got, once we got from there onto the M40, it kind of cleared up a bit. Although, the roundabout, just around the corner, <laughs> and they're going to great detail, just as, as it was being done there, Brian was doing there, they're going to great detail about the traffic. Yeah. When, it's the male version of, 
What have you lost weight? Is, is it that? I right. think it is. I think it's um, an opening to a longer conversation about something more meaningful. Which way did you come? Well, normally we would go uh, M4, M25, uh, but we didn't today. We thought we'd try something different. It's a weird... Who cares, man? We got here. What are we doing? Where's, where's the food? That's what the conversation should be. Phil's in Windsor. Morning, Phil. Morning, Ian. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Good, good. How's Windsor this morning? Uh, it's, uh, it's lovely, bright and sunny. Beautiful. Whereabouts in Windsor are you? I know Windsor very, very well. I used to go to college there. Uh, I live quite near the uh, the boys' school. Oh, the OK. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you live in the nice bit. Uh, yeah, it can be, sometimes. Yeah, good for you. All right, Phil, what have you got? So, uh, I, I love it when you come up with a, with a motoring-themed uh, show, because uh, I can come on and have a rant. You can so, come on um, and rant any time got... you want about cars, fella. Any time. Go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so middle-lane drivers, that is my massive bugbear. I can't, actually can't stand it. Um, from what Mr Loophole was saying earlier, though, I think it's very difficult for, obviously, the police to marshal it. So, um, I just think, let's all take it into our own hands. Uh-oh, and uh-oh. Um... <laughs> What are you suggesting? Uh, I, I want to start a renegade police police service. Oh, blimey. That, I don't know. Um, yeah, go, yeah, this is, by the way, I'm distancing myself from lunatic Phil in Windsor. How, okay. would, how would the renegade police service work, Phil? Um, well, I just think we need to band enough people together that, that can marshal these people <laughs> into the right way to drive me. Suddenly I'm back in. Uh, it, well, but what would you do? Listen, it sounds a great idea. In the middle lane hoggers, man alive, they get on my nose. But how are you going to do it? Um, well, I, I have some techniques I use at the moment, which is oh, um, probably if the again. police were around, probably wouldn't be too happy. What but it's do? usually some uh, heavy indicator use. Oh, um, yeah. My my next idea is to is to sellotape an iPad to a rear window that yeah. says "Move over, move over, you silly driver." Well, or words to that effect. Words to that effect. You can get those um, those signs, can't you? That go on the back of cars. You can, and you can type a message. I do uh, this uh, this morning, uh, and I do this quite a lot. There's a middle lane hogger. I will. Go go in front of them i will overtake safely and i will then put on my indicators to say come on fella move over yeah but they just don't they don't realize they're doing anything wrong no no they don't or i put the window down and do the old sort of thumb over the uh move over sort of sign are you sure that's the only sign you're doing with your hand yes exactly yeah yeah phil why are you listening to us and not the excellent bbc berkshire um, it, it's mainly because of you, actually. Oh. I'm going to rub your ego a little bit. Yeah, I, I need it, brother. I need it. Phil, listen. Um, no, I've followed LBC and, uh, oh. and all your previous ones and oh. always always found it very funny. So, um, Phil, listen, I'm glad you, I'm glad you found uh, me here. I have no idea what other radio stations he was talking about there. I've only ever worked here. You're the first, you're the first radio station I've ever worked with. Honest. Honest. I'm starting to feel a bit used. You should do. Oh, look, on these name uh, cups, you can pull the plastic off. No, don't do that. Oh, why would you do that? Because it says Owen on there. Yeah, but that's funny. So close to I could get to your name. Well, but, I mean... Mine's Caitlin. Mine's Kaylee. Mine's come off. You want to see Justin's? What is it? Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rather slow moving at the moment on the Great North Road, heading southbound at the Black Hat roundabouts. On the speed sensors, the M1's looking rather heavy moving between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and Junction 9 at Redbourne. Taking a look so far, the M25 heading anti-clockwise on camera, very slow moving between Junction 17 at Maple Cross and Junction 16, the M40. Taking a look at the A1 Watford Way, that's looking heavy as well on camera between Apex Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And in Chessent at the moment, there's some emergency repairs taking place to a 
first water main on Turner's Hill, just at College Road. So do approach that with care. On the trains, everything's running to time. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, it is uh, 8.45, it's Wednesday the 13th of August, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The RAC says politicians should tackle motorist bugbears like the cost of fuel and the state of the roads. The cost of clearing up illegally dumped rubbish in Hertfordshire reached half a million pounds last year. And in football victories for Watford and the MK Dons take them through to the next round of the Capital One Cup, but Stevenage, Luton and Wickham are out. Let's get the weather, here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. A bright start for many of us this morning. Some sunshine as well, but it is feeling quite fresh. Temperatures dropped down fairly low last night at around 11, 12 Celsius. Sun out this morning, though, the breeze slightly reduced, which means we could get a warmer, slightly warmer temperature today, looking at a maximum of around 20, maybe 21 Celsius. Now, I said the breeze has reduced. It hasn't disappeared. It is still noticeable. It's just slightly lighter than yesterday. Some clear spells overnight. We could see one or two showers pop up later on this afternoon into this evening. They'll die out. We'll get some clear spells and the temperatures dropping down to similar values. So a fresh start tomorrow morning, the minimum between 12 and 14 Celsius. A sunny start tomorrow, bright start at least, but some showers developing. Some of those very heavy tomorrow afternoon. Could be thundery with a bit of hail mixed in there as well. That's your forecast. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're having that again. We're having that. We'll start that from the beginning. I didn't, I didn't see that was coming up. We're going to enjoy every second of this bad boy. You ready? You ready? Go on. Okay, here we go. Don't, no talking. Shh, 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 shh. No. Oh, tell Kelly to be quieter. Kelly. We're going to play the Doctor Who trail now. You ready? Play what? The Doctor Who trail. Oh, okay. No talking. Here we go. Clara. Tell me. My good man. I don't know. Uh, do I? The new Doctor lands August 23rd on BBC One and BBC One HD. They changed his name? Sorry? Doctor Lands. No, Doctor Who. Doctor Who's not his name. No one no, knows his name. No, he's just the Doctor. No, he says the new Doctor Lands. Yeah, the other thing... Oh, shh, 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 shh. Love that again. Oh, yeah. Clara. Tell me. My good man. I don't know. Uh, do I? The new Doctor lands August twenty third on BBC One and BBC One HD. We should. I wonder when if did... they'll change the branding with that. Uh, when did Doctor Who get all pouty and? Oh, it's going to be so good. It's an old Doctor Who, although he's the same age as William Hartnell. Has he got a young companion? Yeah, of course he has. They're not having it away. There's none of that. I don't like. I don't like the fact they've sexualised the Doctor. No, we, we should do it uh, t- tomorrow. We should do a phone in on um, uh, sounds. There is no. There is no sound more evocative of travelling through time and space than this. What a great noise! It's a piano wire, wasn't it? It's a piano wire being scraped with a key, played uh, slowed down. I think a little bit. We need... That is awesome. We'll do a phone-in on sounds. I don't know what the question will be, but it just means I can play this. A lot. It's the uh, what's your favourite noise phone-in. What's your... What? 
Mm, Catherine, you're good. I missed you. I missed you when we pretended we'd fallen out. Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah, we'll do what's your favourite noise phone-in tomorrow? If you could record them today, you can play them down the phone to us. They won't. They won't. Someone will. We'll send Danny out. Danny! Hello! We're going to send you out tomorrow to ask people what your favourite noise is. And and then get them to make the noise. (laughs) She's good! (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what you're going to do. Boom. What's your favourite noise? Um, Put you on the, the spot. The glugging of a bottle of wine, maybe? You boozy so-and-so. <laughs> it's you, too early for that, really, you, oh, Well, listen, hey, guys, it's it's uh, 9 o'clock p.m. somewhere in the world, isn't it? <laughs> Catherine's got her hand up. My favourite noise is laughter. That's what, laughter. Oh, gee, you make me... Um, a baby's wanna... laugh best oh. for anyone's, generally. No. My favourite laugh... That's beautiful, thank you. Can my favourite laugh is when you get, like, a, a TV programme and there's, there's a live audience, but there's obviously someone enjoying it a little bit more than everybody else. There's quite a few episodes of Monty Python where there's, there's like, a woman in the audience who's having a whale of a time. And when you're listening to it, especially if it's canned laughter, yeah. you think, who's doing that? Yeah. And that's all you hear. You don't hear the joke anymore. You just wait for that woman again. I love it. I love it. Anyway, Danny, listen, the reason we've got you on... Mm. Uh, too old to drive... There is a gentleman in the papers, he's 100 years old. He's not the oldest, Danny. No, he There's isn't. There's a 102-year-old person. Yes, and uh, if we listen to my little uh, little clip of people that I spoke to, yes. there's one even older than that. What, you're joking? Well, it wasn't the lady herself. OK, but, well, uh, let's have yeah. a little listen. No, not at all. I think if you're still in your senses and you're still able to drive, that's fine. Ian suggested over 70 you should have an annual retest. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Yeah, I think so. Just to be on the safe side that everyone else is safe on the road. But yeah, I don't think you know problem with it. Do you think 100 is too old to drive? I think so, yeah. Why do you think so? Well, I think because um, everything is failing, eyesight and everything, so, and reflexes. So, yeah, definitely. One of the suggestions has been that people that are getting on a bit, it should be their son or daughter's decision to stop them driving. Do you think that no, should be the case? It should be their decision, not their son and daughter's decision. No, because I know a woman's driving, she's 104 and she's OK. She's her health and everything, she's OK. Do you think that maybe past the age of 70 there should be annual retests? No, if they're OK, they're healthy and everything else, they shouldn't be, no. And what about if a son or daughter is worried about their mum or dad, that they're perhaps not... Oh, that was me. Hang on. Oh, Danny. So, uh, Danny. Yes. No, that was me. Hang on a minute. Right. Oh, blimey. Right. I've, I was skip. Oh, flip. Hang don't on a you worry no, about no, it. No, don't worry. I can skip. No, I can no s- not at all. Right, hang I on. Hang on. I can skip. We're going to fast forward. Yeah. Hang on. I'm fast forwarding. Ian suggested over but at the 70, same speed that he's playing. Hey, listen. Let's listen to it again. It was so good. I think so. Just to be on the safe side that everyone else is safe on the road. But yeah, I don't think you know problem with it. Do you think 100 is too old to drive? I think so, yeah. Why do you think so? Well, I think because everything is failing, eyesight and everything, and reflexes, so, yeah, definitely. One of the suggestions has been that people that are getting on a bit, it should be their son or daughter's decision to stop them driving. Do you think that should be the case? it should be their decision, not their son and daughter's decision. No, because I know a woman's driving, she's 104 and she's okay. She's her health and everything, she's okay. Do you think that maybe past the age of 70 there should be annual retests? No, if they're OK, they're healthy and everything else, there shouldn't be, no. And what about if a son or daughter is worried about their mum or dad, that they're perhaps not completely with it, do you think it should be the son or daughter's choice to yeah, take that should, person off the road? Yeah, that's it, yeah, it should be their choice, yeah. 
Well, Danny, I'm glad we got to hear it <laughs> in, in, in its conclusion in the end. I do apologise. Yeah, well, I know. Uh, Danny, thank you. We'll speak to you tomorrow and we'll get people's favourite noises. Thank you very much indeed. Jenny's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Jenny. Good morning, Ian. What you got for us, boss? That trail that you've just played, yeah. Doctor Who, oh, yeah. the voice sounds like Scoines. Really? Yeah, definitely. Hang, hang on a second. Let's let us let us let's refresh ourselves as to the wonderful dulcet tones of Paul Scoines. Oh, hang on. What? No, I've completely... What's going on with the computer? Oh, now, there's a word I don't understand. I hear it every day from my old man. Right, that's Paul Scoines. This is Doctor Who. Cloud of... Does a bit, Jenny. It does. It does. I know. The new Doctor lands August twenty third on BBC One and BBC One HD. That would explain a lot. You better have a chat with him. He's he's bigger on the inside than he is on the outside <laughs> as well. I think or something. <laughs> Jenny, th- are you a Doctor Who fan? Well, come on. I, I yeah, I did used to be, but I don't bother with television much these days. Do you know what? I don't watch much telly. These no. I, I hardly watch it. I seem to spend a lot of time watching CBBS with the kids. Not yeah. a lot of time, a bit, but I don't really watch. No, I tried to watch a program last night because the family are away. And I tried to... I was flicking through. I thought, I'll watch a bit of telly, because I've got half an hour. Mm. And I, I, I found myself watching some terrible programme with Kirsty Allsop. Oh. Where she was making people's houses look flipping awful. Oh. It should, I don't know what it was called, but it should have been called Kirsty Allsop Ruins Your House. The Curse of Kirsty. The Curse of <laughs> Kirsty. That should be it. She's terrible. Uh, it's awful, isn't it? There's too much of that, though. It's a yeah. waste of time. Jenny, thank you very much. The Curse of Kirsty. Good name for a show. Thank you, Jenny. Mm. It was rubbish. I um, watched Bake Off for the first time last week. Oh, yeah. Turns out, watching people make cakes... Ugh. It's quite entertaining. Why? Um, because they're all characters, Mm-mm. right? Mm. And it's a bit like the same reason why you'd watch Come Dine With Me. It's if, not really about the cooking. If I wanted to watch characters, I'd watch Coronation Street. No, but... Or, real... I, if I wanted to watch characters, I'd watch Little Britain. No, I don't be seen Never seen Little Britain. Right, well... I've seen one. I've seen one bit of Little Britain. I saw one where um, uh, uh, George Dawes was, was Mr T... And I saw another one where there was uh, a fella in a wheelchair and um, uh, David Walliams had a lisp and they went to the swimming pool. Yes. And he was talking, David Walliams was talking to the lifeguard and then it turns out the fella in the wheelchair, he, he can swim. Yeah. yeah and he went, went for a swim. Yeah, he did different things every week. Wow, every week? Yeah. Gosh. It was, you know, it was funny then. Okay. I'm not going to knock it because they made something. No, oh, good for them. Good for them. They. Cr- I'm just. I'm just saying. I don't. I. I, I that's all. I've. Uh, but I don't rewatch TV. But this curse of Kirsty last night was awful. Basically, going to rich people's houses and ruining them. Ruining them. Why would you do that? It's always funny when it's rich people's houses, yeah, though, isn't it? Yeah, that'll learn what it. Why else would you watch Grand Designs? I don't watch that. Suki and Roger are making a house completely out of wool. I don't uh, think it's a very good idea, Suki and Roger. We're going to spend loads of money on it anyway. Yeah. Let's watch them for an hour while they make a house the, that shrinks. The queen of, of those kind of shows was um, the pregnant lady. She's not always pregnant. She is always pregnant. Yeah, actually she is. Uh, Sarah uh, Beanie. Uh, Sarah Beanie. Oh, Sarah Beanie. Do you know what I threw away yesterday? Sarah Beanie? No, my How Clean Is Your House book. Oh, I spoke to one of them the other day. Surely you can. And she just... was. She got really annoyed with me. I know which one it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was Aggie. Is that yes. one? Yes. She got annoyed with me because I said that my wife likes to mow the lawn. Oh, really? Would you let her go out and mow the lawn? I did. I, she was it her or was it the one with the hair? 
The one with the hair. Oh, that's not Aggie, that's Kim. OK. Scrub it, don't tickle it, dear. Yeah, she I got... used to love her. The phone call ended with, all right then, goodbye, to the point where I had to get someone to phone up and make sure that she was all right. No, she always talks like that. Yeah, it's very weird. Yes. Kelly? Wouldn't your house be cleaner if you just cleaned it rather than watching a programme about how clean it is? No, it turns out I wouldn't. I used to watch it all the time. My house is still a mess. That book did not work. No, it not work. You've got, you've got to get on your... Does anybody... This is a, here's a, a middle-class problem. Hello. I haven't cleaned my house Hello. in... Seven years. <gasps> got a cleaner. All oh, right. Got a cleaner. I want one of those. Yeah. I can't justify it, though. I've got too much working class I, guilt. Yeah, I, I had that. I totally had that. And I ummed and ahed for about 18 months about forgetting a cleaner. And I felt so bad about doing it. I felt, I thought my mum is going to hate, you know, hate me. I've let down my heritage. And I did it. And it was the best thing I've ever done. It's great. I would find it a great help. It's, well, it, 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 it cleans. It cleans. But then I'd clean up before she came, out of shame. Yeah, yeah, I did that the first few times. And then I always had to be out of the house when she came. Uh, Derek's on the line. Morning, Derek. You're the last call on this show. What have you got for us? Good morning to you. Good morning. I, I heard you um, saying about uh, driving at near the age of 100. Yes. Right, I'm 80, and I take a driving test every um, three to four years. Oh, good. How about doing it every year? Uh, no, that's too expensive. Well, but how, well, yeah, but hang on, we can't put a, a price on a child's life, can we? No, but I'm I'm okay. You know, I mean, um, well, you you say you're okay, but what if you're not okay? Well, you know, the test says I'm okay every three to four years. Yeah, but supposing uh, you know the MOT says your car is safe to go on the road for that well, day, then something yeah. could go wrong the next day. Yeah, but it may be you that uh, might can't it? drive. Properly. Exactly, Derek. Well, what me? Yeah. Oh, you cheeky sausage, Derek. Call in a bit earlier next time, please. Thank you very much indeed. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 heading anti-clockwise, rather slow on camera, between Junction 17 at Maple Cross and Junction 16 for the M40. In Brickettwood, very heavy moving on the North Orbital Road, just off the M25. And taking a look so far at the A1 Watford Way on camera, looking quite heavy, heading at southbound between Apex Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And in Chessant, at the moment, there's some emergency repairs taking place. Just on Turner's Hill at College Road, there's a burst water main there, so there are a few restrictions in place at the moment. Severe delays at the moment on the Bank and Loo line between Queen's Park and Harrow and the Wildstone. That's due to an earlier signal failure. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. That's it, that's your lot. JBS is up next. We'll be back tomorrow at six. Until then, from us, ta Vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday, it's nine o'clock, and on today's big phone-in. Does Britain have a moral obligation to send troops to Iraq? One of Britain's most respected commanders has compared the massacre in Iraq with the genocides carried out by dictators like Joseph 